0: Welcome, everybody, to Small Bites. I am Donata Marino with DNL Being a Barista Service. And boy, do we have a show for you today.
1: I hope uh, everyone has comfy chairs or at least walking on a treadmill, whatever the heck you're doing listening to this. Uh, uh, I-, I personally like the new model. Uh, we're not live anymore, but I think we have had. A lot more positive feedback of the new model, which blows my mind, because, Don, if we're being truthful, I had apprehension about the qualities of the show and different yeah, 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 I know aspects it. of it. Yeah, and uh, we got it
0: in depth, and we were like, oh, let's, let's see what happens. If we have to change something, we could always uh, you know, change it later on.
1: And our last show was our most popular episode ever, which blew me away. It blew me away. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're on the right track. I guess all those years of trying to be more professional, Don, really wasn't the path we were supposed to be going on.
0: <laughs> No, 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 no. Sometimes uh, you don't want to bore people.
1: The, the people like to be related to. We need to be relating yeah. to the people. And uh, I thank everyone, uh, all the publicists that have reached out. I truly appreciate your connections and uh, being able to work with all of you. And also, it is an honor. And I want to thank especially you, Don, and John, and Chef Barbie, Chef Beth, both. Uh, Jackie, the joke man, Martin. You guys are the you guys are Small Bites Radio, and again, Metro Newspaper, uh, the the largest dis- dis- distributed newspaper in Philadelphia by circulation. Obviously, you can get it free. Uh, it's all over the place. We uh, are nominated again as Philadelphia's best 2023 Arts and Entertainment category. So thank you, Metro, for nominating us. Uh, We are honored. If anyone is inclined to vote, please do. If you want to vote for us, we'd appreciate it. There's some heavy hitters in there, some extremely talented individuals with a whole lot of uh, hard work and talent that goes into the programs that they put in. So uh, it's an honor just to be in that category. And also, we were named uh, uh, the top, again, top 50 Uh, food hospitality podcasts in the entire world we were named the top 25 food blogs i think we were number eight or something in philadelphia and we were number 12 of the top 25 uh, lifestyle websites in philadelphia so a lot of awards came in last week i was surprised but it's always a joy when you get recognized for your work
0: yeah, it's all the hard work we put in, and the great guests that are, are willing to come on and help us to promote the uh, food industry and and the the books, blogs, everything that goes with us. Yes,
1: uh, and talking about uh, great guests, we've got one lined up, but of course, we can't get to our great guests until what, Don? Until we hear John
0: Howard Fusco and his brilliant commentary. Oh, I love it.
1: What's going on, John?
2: Evening, guys. How are we doing tonight?
1: Great, doing
0: great, good, John.
2: Good, good. Let's let's talk about a new place that just opened this past Friday in Center City. This is Darling Jack's Tavern, uh, opened on Friday at, on Thirteenth Street in Center City. Uh, our friend Marilyn Johnson over Philly Grub mentioned that the owners of the restaurant, the same people who have brought you Budden, and Maryland's and okay. Little Nonas, also on the same stretch of road, so they're really building an estra- a restaurant empire there in Center City. Uh, the restaurant describes the menu as comfort food with refinement. Uh, I checked over the menu. It looks looks pretty enticing. Uh, the drink menu is not long, but it is intriguing, and they have some non-alcoholic cocktails included, which is, I think is great. It's a continuing trend we're seeing. Uh, so, again, that's Darling Jack's Tavern in Center City, just opened this past Friday. Looking for something to do this Saturday. Uh, we got the annual Port Richmond Pierogi Fest, which is going on on Saturday between noon and 5 uh, over on Indiana Avenue and Thompson Street. So if you are a pierogi fan or if you're just a fan of good local food, check out the Port Richmond Pierogi Fest happening this Saturday. Over on the Jersey side, the big news in South Jersey, I guess, has to have been the purchase of Flying Fish Brewing by Cape May Brewing. Uh, this was big stuff. Cape uh, May has been looking to expand more nationally and having Flying Fish's brewing capacity helps them do that. So allow them to be more of a national brand. Uh, now both brands will be maintained. So flying fish will still exist. Uh, but Cape may will now be owning both of them, which is a, it's a big move in, in the, in the South Jersey brewing scene. It's just hard to believe that Cape may now has grown so big that actually could buy flying fish, which existed before they even came about. So really, really interesting stuff there. Uh, again, our friend Marilyn over at her other site, South Jersey food scene mentioned Nicoletta's on Maine in Williamstown. This is a new Italian American restaurant that, uh, and it follows the continuing trend of Philly chefs opening new places in South Jersey. We've been seeing this for a number of years now and it, it seems to continue. So been hearing good stuff about this place. Again, Nicoletta's on Maine in Williamstown, uh, Italian American restaurant, uh, pretty typical stuff. Look on the menu. They have pizzas and to go Italian American affair, but uh, we're getting very f- positive feedback uh, from diners there. So go check that out in Williamstown. Uh Sad report about the Barlow Bakery in Collinswood having to close its doors on April 29th. Uh, The announcement was made by the bakery on social media a few days prior to that. The bakery had been a part of Collinswood food scene for over three decades, uh, but sad to see it go again the Barlow Bakery in Collinswood closing on the 29th of April. And then lastly, I want to mention this for those out there who remember the Rams head Inn in Galloway. uh, It's been closed since 2019. They were days away from the, the building getting the wrecking ball. But a new owner has come in and purchased this place, and they want to bring the inn back to its former glory. So, those of you who remember the Rams Head Inn, I still remember the Rams Head Inn going back a ways. Uh, it has new ownership now. It looks like it's going to try.
1: Oh, lost John. I think we lost him. Well, he was mentioning the uh, Rams Head in, and yes, he That's that place is a beautiful iconic. Place. Uh, open for 50 like, some years uh it did fall into uh disrepair and things of that such and i'm glad to see historic places staying open or getting new ownership and uh, reigniting themselves
2: am i, am but, am I back now <laughs> there we go we, we, we lost, go.
1: lost it for a little bit oh, you, was, you were I talking about there. rams head Inn.
2: yeah yes yeah. so that's really exciting stuff especially for those of us who remember rams head Inn in its glory days in the 80s and 90s uh it looks like they're going to try to bring it back and bring it back to its former glory. So we'll have to see, uh, if, if they do, it's a, it's a beautiful site and uh, I'm, I'm really hoping for that to, to come back. Uh, so follow me on Twitter, Instagram, eating in S Jersey, follow me on South Jersey food scene website and Facebook page. Um, try to be more active. It's been challenging. I've been doing research on the book, so I haven't been getting out as much as, as I normally would, but, uh, I'm always hanging out, you know, at the, at the on the Facebook page at least. So much good stuff happening there. I think we're up to like 40,000 members or something. It's, it's a very, very positive site. People constantly sharing uh, places they've, they've gone to and enjoyed. So uh, if you're in South Jersey and you're interested in what's happening there, it's, it's a great resource to use.
1: I think it should be renamed to the uh, personal fan page of John Howard Fusco. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but. <laughs> but thank you so much, John. Always appreciate it. And uh, always like to hear all the uh, hot news that's going on around the area. Thanks so much.
2: All right, guys. Have a good evening. You
1: all do right, the guys. same.
2: And uh, As John
1: said, lots going on around all over the place, but... Our next guest is uh, going to get in depth of what Fearless Restaurants has uh, they always uh, gear up especially during the summer months they do have things going on all year round but it gets hot and heavy once the warm weather uh, kicks in and he is the director of restaurant operations for Fearless Restaurants. Uh, we'll okay. welcome him back uh, Tomas. How's it going
3: Tomas?
4: thanks
3: thanks for having me
0: it's uh, our pleasure
1: pleasure to-
0: yeah, we have a little problem with the audio coming in Tomas. Oh,
1: up your, your your connections uh, uh having you skip back and forth uh, sounded like you may have been listening to the show as well we had a little feedback are, are you able to uh, check your connection yeah. or try to
4: reconnect I, I seem to be connecting. Oh, there we go uh, can you guys hear me
1: there you yeah, go. Now you it's perfect. Whatever. You there. must have just shook the wire.
4: Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Well, thanks for having me again. It's so you know, wonderful to be back.
1: It's our pleasure. Restaurants, You're the, the man in the know. Give us uh, some news, events, all sorts of things that we can expect in the upcoming months.
4: Um. As you mentioned, uh, Fearless is uh, trying to keep busy. We have uh, two projects that we're um, currently working on, one in um, Glen Mills, which is um, um, a concept that we, uh, that we established in Wayne um, at the uh, Wayne Hotel called Rosalie. Uh, so we're looking to open that um, probably early next year, uh, along with um, a new addition uh, to the White Dog family um, in Chester Springs, um, ideally um, looking to open that uh, first quarter of 2024 as well in the old uh, vickers uh, tavern which is a wonderful uh, sort of historical building uh, very charming and uh, you can expect the same sort of finishes as, as all the other white dogs uh, have in Haverford uh, mills Wayne so it's going to be um, a familiar but 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 new venture with a slightly different menu as all the white dogs are and um, you know that uh, that's only kept us busy so we're excited for the upcoming year
1: awesome awesome and uh, obviously that part of the Philadelphia suburbs has grown exponentially I know you Don uh, you're very busy in those areas with customers uh, I would say the 80s and 90s was wasn't the kindest times to uh, those suburbs but they've really been uh, Revitalize, don't you think? Don There's such nice areas out there. there
0: now. Yeah, there's an influx of uh, restaurants, cafes, uh, uh, high end uh, boutiques that are really going up and down. I'm uh, um, just one of the streets is Lancaster Avenue. It really made a big turnaround, and I'm sure that you know, the White Dog and the other restaurants that uh, Fearless uh, runs
1: are, are part of that landscape as well. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Now, almost all, also, Tomas, you guys uh, handle uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia from uh, river to ocean. And one of the things you guys got happening on the river, I think all of Philadelphia is going to be excited for this, is the kickoff of brunch at your beautiful Moshulu location. And, uh, in my opinion, it's going to be one of the top places in Philadelphia to go to brunch. Why don't you give us some details of what's going on, what we can expect, what um, what's going, how, the dates, times, all that good stuff.
4: So yeah, there's there's, there's no doubt the Mashule is a unique venue for Philly. Um, it's certainly been a landmark uh, for for decades, and and um, obviously we we had the pleasure of seeing it grow for you know under. Uh, our, our leadership and the, and the Mashulu is, is a multi dimensional venue from a la carte dining, as you mentioned, brunch, dinner, uh, you know, dining alfresco fresco outside on the decks, private events, late night events. So it, it certainly has been um, a very interesting progression in, in, in Mashulu's evolution to, to, to introduce these, um, these um, other aspects of, uh, of our business. And, uh, and because of the 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 setting itself is it's probably um, very very unique when it comes to the Philadelphia landscape uh, being down on the waterfront and um, you know being on a 120 year old uh, ship so we're excited about the summer obviously you know the weather certainly in the summer season certainly um, is the prime time for us um, at the Mashul. so um, we always look forward to the summer and and um, and um, the opportunities that come with that. So that's uh, that's another thing that keeps us on our toes as as our business and between our restaurants. Obviously, the shore, as you mentioned, um, uh, along with the Mashulu, is is very weather and, and summer driven. So uh, so for those three locations, uh, you know, come May all the way to um, you know September. That's when. All the activity takes place, as opposed to the White Dogs and 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 Rosalie, um, for instance, or Autograph out in, in Wayne, that is a very you know sort of consistent, and um, and they don't have the same cyclical uh, business cycle than uh, than these uh, than these other three restaurants have.
5: Definitely. So
4: yeah, we're we're excited going uh, going into the into the summer. Talking
1: about the uh, loon, as you mentioned, uh, they're seasonal, and I know anyone in the hospitality industry is acutely aware of – I I like to call it influencer season because that's when they all seem to uh, flock outdoors and take all of their selfies and pictures and what they're doing at any riverfront or ocean. Tell us some dishes about the brunch because I've heard it's going to be impressive.
4: You know, let it be the monsieur, let it be uh, some of our other stores. I think what us always um, um, kept in mind is how do we cater to a large segment of the audience and and, and offer something for everyone. Um, so when it comes to brunches, obviously, a lot of people expect your typical egg dishes, let it be on omelets or eggs benedict etc coupled uh, with the, some sandwiches for people that are maybe not so um, egg um, and breakfast driven and and i think you will see those variances in all of our stores um, and i think one of the things even when when we looked at, at, at white dog uh, none of our menus overlap to the point where you've been to one you've been to all all of our stores have their own identity their own chefs their own menus and, um, and the idea is that, um, that we keep our, our audience um, excited about uh, having different dishes in, in different stores. So well, I think it's a
1: smart uh, mission as well because it sort of gives, like you said, it, it gives each location its own uh, local flair because even though some of them may be the same brand. Uh, you have to go to that specific dining destination to enjoy uh, that local specialty that that particular uh, destination offers. But and I think that's a that's a great business model.
4: Yeah, and and I think you know you can expect people go down the shore; they expect the seafood heavier. Same thing I think on the waterfront, as opposed to you know being in Glen Mills. And, and with that, you know, when it comes to our, our, our certainly at our mission, um, at the White Dogs, um, we are seasonal. So you can expect a significant change in our menu from one season to another. And I think that's a business model that we uh, embraced at um, our other locations as well to keep our audience, um, again, just interested and, and, and uh, preventing the menu becoming stale and also keeping ourselves on our toes because there's there's something exciting about creating new as opposed to repeating a dish that you have done a million times and um maybe boring is not the right word but but it's it's lacking the uh, excitement that a little flair you know, it's
1: not having the flair it should have yeah uh so uh, next week obviously uh, those in the hospitality industry uh it, it's a double edged sword it uh, you can love it and hate it at the same time because it's going to be very crowded. It's Mother's Day weekend. Uh, but at the same time, that's good for profits because we really like to have butts in seats. Uh, any sort of uh, Mother's Day specials or any treats going on at any of the locations that Fearless has?
4: Uh, every one of our stores. Yeah, th- to your point, Mother's Day is um, is certainly a very busy weekend. Um, and yeah, in in Philadelphia, it's also graduation weekend, which anybody in the University City or, or potentially even Center City, you can feel the uh, the volume of um, of graduation weekend, and um, so so we can we expect to be especially busy because of those two um, um, um two occasions are sort of lining up together. Um, every one of our stores will feature additions to our menu. And I think that's not just for Mother's Day. We do that regularly because we always want to be able to give our chefs the ability to showcase something new, fine-tune something they're working on, introduce items that we're looking to roll out in our next menu change and see how the public responds to it. So any one of our stores you go to on almost any given day, you can expect to see something in addition to our, our menu offerings because we want to be able to showcase the talent um, in our kitchens and uh, and be able to see, um, you know, new ideas and new techniques that uh, can ultimately land items on our on our menu that will be popular and well received by our audience. So uh, come on in, check us out, regardless of which store you go to, whether it be, uh, you know, out in the suburbs or in the city, you will find something that um, that will um, fit your palate. And, um, and we're excited to have um, anyone joining us this weekend, Mother's Day, or or any other weekend for that
1: matter. Oh, definitely. And also, uh, we've got a busy uh, uh, weekend coming up in two weeks after that. And that's uh, the, the unofficial kickoff of shore season. And Don, I know you are a uh, a flocker to the shore. You usually partake in the uh, enjoyments of Wildwood. Uh do you have any plans, Don, for well,
2: the shore are, yet?
1: Yeah, we have our mummer's
0: weekend that we do down the shore. And uh, it's uh, it's great for us and uh, the members that belong to our organization. Uh, it's a good way to get away and just unwind and you know, talk about the, the parade and next year and run to the beach. They bring their kids, we bring a band in. So it's
1: really a good event. Nice. Well, I'm going to let you know that. Thomas is probably going to tell you that maybe instead of going to Wildwood every year, Fearless has a couple locations. Maybe you want to check out. Tell him, Thomas. Tell him. you've got some places that him and his crew could go, don't you?
4: <laughs> you know what? There's there's a lot to there's a lot to check out down the shore. You know, all the way you know from Wildwood up uh, you know to to a beach haven. Or um, it, there's obviously a lot of restaurants, and um, and there's something unique about spending time down Jersey Shore. In the summertime. Um, obviously there's a lot of boardwalks I know Wildwood has one ocean city has another one and um, yeah we, we, we encourage people to venture up and down the Jersey Shore obviously it has a lot to offer. Um, we're proud to have two restaurants on uh, you know on Long Beach Island that have been you know part of that landscape for for a while uh, one being O, which also has a hotel um, as part of the operation along with the, the restaurant and the other one is Tuckers. Um, and um, you know, again, uh, being down the shore, uh, you can expect you know fresh seafood and um, just a very really nice sort of beach vibe, um, coupled with enlightened hospitality and um, and um, you know great cuisine. So we'd love to have you uh, and uh, and all your friends. So when you're done at uh, at the, the boardwalk of Wildwood, just uh, get in your car and uh, coming up and see us. I it. think
1: you should just skip Wildwood altogether. Just just. <laughs> To just forget about it altogether. people to accommodate us for the weekend.
4: Look, that uh, we, we're always we're always make room. That's uh, <laughs> that, that's never that's never a problem.
1: There's always rooms. You just got to yeah. tell us. You got to go to the website. They even have the, They probably even have rooms that adjoin. This way, everybody can just have the party go all weekend long. But uh, uh, Thomas, it's. Uh, joy talking to as usual. We are thrilled to hear all the great things that fearless restaurants has going on and uh, feel free to share a website, social media or anything like that before you go, pal.
4: Awesome. Well, uh, anyone uh, that would like to take a peek, uh, obviously our website is white uh or our, our, uh, our umbrella website, fearless uh, restaurants.com. So you can check out all of our stores. And um, again, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. And um, and I hope you guys have a, a, a wonderful um, yeah, Sunday night. Um, thanks again for including us. And uh, it's been a pleasure.
1: You do the same. Thanks so much. Thank have you a great time. night. Thank you. Thanks again.
4: But, yeah, that was fun. I yeah, mean,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. looking forward to the uh, brunch on the uh, Marjaloo coming up. Yeah, you you just uh, you are just the social butterfly there, Mister Donato, yeah. and uh, that's the one thing I do like about Fearless. As I said, they go from the Delaware River to the ocean to the suburbs, uh, uh, wherever you go, and that sort of makes me think of uh, sort of our next guest. Don't you agree, Don? I agree, and uh, he just goes wherever he needs to go.
0: Okay. Well, he he uh, sources out the best products that are out there naturally.
1: And the reason why he goes where he needs to go is because he is foraging, as you said, Don, for not only the best ingredients, he's going to get the jewels, as they call, because he is the king of Matasuki Ridge. Did you know that, Don? He is the king. Not the prince? No, the king. The king. king. And that would be Philip Managero Park Place Cafe and Restaurant Our good friend. They are out of Merchantville, New Jersey and good golly, Chef Phil, you are a busy man. Documentary on its way. The documentary is called The King of Matasuki Ridge and you are also hands down doing wonderfully because in 2023 you have been awarded and nominated for restaurant and chef award semi-finalist for the james beard award for best chef get this done mid-atlantic not just new jersey not pennsylvania the entire mid-atlantic and we're going to be rooting for you Monday, June 5th. That's when the award ceremony is at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. But enough of us talking about you. Let's hear it directly from the source. How's it going tonight, Chef Phil? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. How have you guys been? God, I'm doing great,
6: Phil. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you having me on to, to discuss the
1: documentary and, and some other things. I mean, first of all, before we even get to that documentary... How does it feel when? Uh, th- how's it happen? Is it email? Is it phone call? When you get nominated as best chef of Mid-Atlantic? Well, that's a big deal.
6: I was actually making pasta, and my son was at school, and my phone just started, you know, binging and booming. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, let, "Let me check out what's going on." And yeah, it was just a bunch of congratulations. So that's how I found out. And it's 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 not why I do what I do, but it's a very I've done everything the way I see how I should do it in park places history and to be nominated for you know such a prestigious award and have done it that way is it, it's a
1: really proud moment to, to have happen in life and uh i've said it in the past you've been a, a guest of ours in the past and uh i have no problem saying it once again i wrote a an article about the time my family visited park place and i put you in that tier many years ago in yeah. that article i said that you should not only be known regionally you should be known globally for what you're doing because
6: I, I i i took that to heart and i feel that way about myself and to have somebody you know in the media say that about me i meant it meant a lot to me i've told you that before because that it is the goal to be known globally not, not to be famous or, or anything like that, just to be known globally for really having a vision and really having a belief in yourself and, and really, no matter what comes at you, you just see it through. And, and that's what the food has become. That's what the documentary kind of about. And, you know, that's the direction I'm, I'm headed in um, yeah. as a person in life. So I, I do well, really not, appreciate only that, it.
1: not only that, not only that, you've got these mass corporation farms. You've got so much food waste. We've got fertilizer out the wazoo polluting our waterways. When you show it as right in this documentary, we've said it in the past, there are different ways to source the things that we need and that we can eat. It just takes that little Bit more extra time, and maybe just a little less of a profit margin that larger places are seeking and cut the corners and don't care where they're getting the product from
6: which which is very true. I mean, I do take a little bit of a hit on my bottom line, but i I live away I live my belief in life every single day. And I I don't think you can't put a price on that at the end of the day. You know, I'm a chef. I get to cook with the most beautiful ingredients. There's I I can't even tell you the amount of times I go. I drop my son off at school in the morning. I pick food and it's on a plate seven hours later. I mean, it it, it almost becomes an addicting, addicting act as a chef, because how can you get something fresher to create with um, in a sense? And you just you can't. And it's not, that's what I, every plate I make is becoming. That it's just the freshest, most organic, most beautiful,
1: naturally grown produce that that exists to mankind. Definitely. And I don't think it's any secret either that uh, Donato is a huge fan of yours. But also, uh, I, I think and I'm not speaking for you, Don. You can speak for yourself. But I think Donato even considers you a good personal friend as well.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I. Time I see him, he always educates me on the uh, uh, new vegetables that he just picked, or new products that, uh, uh, and and the taste of something that's just picked compared to something you're buying in in the supermarket. Just to throw out, let's say asparagus, fresh picked asparagus tastes so much better
1: than the stuff you buy in the supermarkets anymore. And I'm not telling tales. I mean, we can pull the 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 uh, the carpet back or, or or the curtain uh but you've had chef phil a, a couple times and uh, for events that you've thrown personally and i mean you just went over the moon
0: yeah yeah i've, I've had him over my house a few times for some uh, birthdays and we had the, the first dinner together with us and uh, the products he came out, I'm like, what the heck is a pawpaw? What the? Heck?
3: <laughs> and, and, and now I'm
0: growing pawpaw trees in my garden.
1: Look at that. Yeah.
0: And I'm waiting for him to probably take a few more years before they ripen
1: enough to be. How's to that them? feel, Chef Phil? I mean, that <laughs> has to, you got, not only did the man eat it, now you got him wanting to grow it. I'm going to have to hit him up for some in a couple yeah, of years. More than welcome. <laughs> Phil.
0: You're more than welcome.
6: But yeah, no, I have I have become friends, very good friends with Donato over the years. I mean, he supplies me my coffee, and I even if he didn't and he retired, I'd still reach out to him. And that that's the other beautiful thing about all this is that you're taking these natural ingredients, and and you're living a certain way, and you're making these like really solid connections with people. I mean, I'm, I'll be open seven years this year, and it's like my whole restaurant is stories like that every night of the week that it's open. It's all really great connections that I've been afforded to make through what I'm doing with nature and it, it just all ties in together and I'm getting older now and seeing how it's all tied together and it's just this really beautiful little bubble that I get to
1: exist in yeah then uh I'm going to let everyone know that uh, I was honored to be able to watch a preview of the entire documentary that really meant a lot to me. I know Don yeah. really felt honored to see uh, this product before the, it was even available to the general public. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the documentary. It, it's well done. It's informative. Uh, I think it's going to have a lot of people think of the way different things are sourced and the way that they're eating and the places that they go to eat. But it even one thing, that I didn't know about yourself that uh, really blew me away was you're a one-man operation. I did not know that even at your restaurant. It's it's y- y- you. You're doing all the cooking from A to Z. Uh, I thought maybe you had someone helping you uh, because of how fantastic things are. I couldn't imagine just one person doing that, but that is... Uh, quite an accomplishment and it has to be uh, quite a burden on your shoulders at times as well.
6: It, it is. I, I do all the picking myself too. I do all the cleaning, all the prep I, from, like you said, from A to Z, I'm the, my two hands are doing everything. Um, it's, it's kind of the reason I chose to make the documentary to, to document this. I, I chose I choose to, to do this and it's, it's the hardest job I've ever had in my life every day. I'm 43 now. I'm getting older in it. It's, it's a personal challenge to me to, to take this sliver of time in my life to see what I can do with just my two hands, my energy. And, and that's what the documentary speaks to. The food at my restaurant becomes, you know, like the terroir of my life. How much time do I have um, aside from being a parent? How much time do I have aside from doing banking for the business? So my whole life becomes the food. And it's just only created by myself from <laughs> from the time I pick something to the time I wash the dishes, even. Um, so, <laughs> and uh,
1: I think you nailed it right on the head too when you described about the foraging and the ingredients that you're searching for and that you do procure. Uh, New Jersey's sort of an odd location where uh, we get some of the things that are. Traditionally only seen in the north while also seeing some of the things that are only traditionally seen in the south. It's sort of a middle ground that uh, you can get quite a cornucopia of all sorts of different things that other areas just don't have the resources or uh, the ability to.
6: They they I was born and raised in New Jersey. I lived in L.A. and New York for a while. And I question if I could do what I was doing anywhere. But right here in New Jersey. Um, Because of what you just said, we have so much biodiversity in this area. So, so many Southern ingredients that end here, so many Northern ingredients that end here. We have the Pocono mountains. We have, you know, the Jersey shore. It's, it's so many different landscapes to pick from all within, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minutes of, of where I live. Um, So I, I, I celebrate New Jersey for that. I think sometimes New Jersey can get a bad rap, but I have a very different, beautiful view of,
1: of this state. And I know now you have another location. You can go find some Paul Pauls. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> I'm going to, I'm
6: going gonna, I'm gonna to be sneaking around the garden at night now. Don't, don't <laughs> at all.
1: But Don, as often as you see Phil and you guys talk, has Phil ever come to the, uh, the garden in no, Philly? Not yet. Not yet. Uh... Has the invite been thrown out? Have you even thrown it out there?
6: Uh he may um, have I like my it. I have so many issues with time. I mean, my time is gone. I have a lot of people ask me to do this, do that, and it's like the the sacrifice of what I'm doing, that's what it is. Well, it in, the,
1: but let me itself. tell you because because you're always looking for fresh ingredients. Yeah, Don, describe what you do with a collective group of people and the stuff you're growing because. It, it's and it's all 100% organic, Phil. So you'll love that. It, it's definitely right up your alley. Tell them the stuff that you're growing, Don, and it's 100% orga- organic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we grow a, a slew of peppers red, yellow, green, uh, red uh, chili peppers, long, Italian long hots, eggplant, tomatoes. Uh, we have a peach tree, apricot tree. We have the pawpaw Paul Paul tree that we just planted last year. I love that, <laughs> uh, and a pear tree as well. And plus, the other people that are there are some are somewhere from Cambodia, uh, some are from Vietnam, and they and they grow their own local uh, vegetables over here the best they can. So there's a big variety: uh, broccoli, rad, uh, fresh garlic, and
1: you know, it's like, a community garden that Don's a part of. What, does it have a name or anything like that, Don? Just we just call it the community garden. Yeah. So I, I think you and Don can connect someday, and I think you'll enjoy that, Phil, because sometimes Don would come to the studio with boxes of produce and yeah. just be like, listen, we," because he cannot sell it. He cannot sell any of the produce because it cannot be for profit, correct? Right. So that's, correct. that's correct. Yes.
0: But that is, so, that is
6: the beautiful thing about food, I mean, with what you just said. Uh, all the different you know races and nationalities that are all just there to grow beautiful organic food, and it, it it's the, one of the most magical ways to bring people together is food, in, in such a beautiful way.
1: So, getting back to the documentary, uh, as as I've mentioned, I really enjoyed it. I think it's fantastic. I think others are are really going to relate with you and uh, and uh, feel a connection with not only you but what the mission statement that you try to put through, what is the uh, path that you're looking for this documentary? Uh, Is it going to be uh, streaming? Uh, Has there any talk of uh, distribution of what the plan is? How will people find this production? I I did it as an artistic,
6: um, creative thing, out of pocket on my own. I had the desire. I'm going to put it on my website. Uh, It's going to launch August 3rd and 4th. We'll have a premiere at the restaurant um, and a little dinner. And then I'm just going to put it up for free um, with a statement saying, if you'd like to, you know, leave a tip per se to keep supporting what I'm doing and growing in and, and see more stuff like that. Or if somebody doesn't want to, they're more than welcome to watch it for free. Um, i it's not my goal, but I would love for somebody to take what we've already shot and pay to shoot the rest and follow me around with a professional crew and really capture the beauty of the process of collecting all these ingredients. It's hundreds and hundreds that I get a year. Um, that's why I would want somebody to finance more of it. Um, to, just to capture it, not to make a million dollars or anything, just to, it's, it's such a beautiful, it's the way that the soil feels on your knees in the spring. It's, it's so the way the humidity feels in the pine barrens in August, and you remember that, and it becomes parts of the. It becomes part of the ingredient, part of the dish, and part of time and everything. So that, that that would be my goal is somebody to finance the rest and really capture it, even if I didn't make a dime off of it, just so
1: I could see it that way. Well, let me tell you this: I have faith that you will win Best Chef. I've sung your praises. We we know my personal feelings of uh, the product that you put out. If you do win, I hope you personally reach out to either the James Beard Foundation or any of these streaming services and pursue it to be completely finished in a way that you want it to be finished because uh, I think it needs to be seen by the masses it,
6: it took uh, me a little while to accept the fact that what i'm doing and have confidence in it is so unique I, I don't know that anybody else that's doing what i'm doing in the world and i don't say that to to be like I, i'm the only one doing it in the world but i don't know any other chef that's out there studying wild ingredients and picking everything himself and cooking everything himself it's and it took me a while to be like wow this is really special just for myself and then when i did that that's why i made the, the documentary. So oh, yeah. yeah, i'm right there. I'm right even if i didn't win that, i'm i it's definitely a route that's going to be pursued. The production company that put it together for me, um the board customers of the restaurant. So it's that's another way how it's all tied together.
1: That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh and like you said, i mean, you are a, a one-man show and i think not only is the documentary entertaining but on a personal level i can't see a more touching tribute of a stamp in time shall i say for your son to remember his childhood and the time that you have shared doing this with him because it seems like he enjoys it uh he does and i
6: appreciate that you noticed that and that because at that that documentary was it was a blank screen before we made it, and for for you to watch it, that that's the goal for for people to see that and think exactly what you thought was the end goal and all. To see the struggle, to see how hard it is, but to see the lesson that's being taught in it, and to see how you can look back one day and just it, it is going to be beautiful to look look back in five, ten years, you know. And yeah. my, when my son's going to be twelve in July, I'll be twenty-two. We'll always have this momentum almost of, of that time and that lesson and, and everything. So I I appreciate you uh, seeing that in it.
1: Yeah. uh, 100%. I mean, it's going to be a a great uh, movement if, and when he watches it again and again, and you've got to think uh, you're passing on your legacy and there's going to be a time when your son has children of his own more than likely, and he will then be able to pass that along to them as well. And it's, it's really a great uh, way to to uh, leave a legacy of yourself and uh, the hard work that you've put in and, and the mentality that you've put into this business and the way that you've raised him and the time that you've spent together. So job well done. Oh, I appreciate uh,
6: you saying that. Thank you.
1: Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, now let's get to, we just have a few minutes left. Okay. Uh, let's find out for anyone who wants to go to park place because i'm going to tell you this right now phil you're a busy man you've got a lot on your plate you're a one-man show do you're an army of one doing it all but i personally think you're winning but if and when you do win best yeah. chef mid-atlantic there's going to be people standing out your door from regions of the world that you've never heard of because you will become the James Beard Award winner of Best Chef. Uh, what can they expect to eat? What are What are we currently serving at Park Place Cafe right now that you have procured and forged and found and and serving for for meals right now?
6: I mean, we're really in the you know ramp season, morale season. Um, a lot of flowers, flower seasons coming to an end, but, I'll uh, be doing black locust flowers, um, this week and, uh, sheep, sorrel. I, I use things that maybe aren't familiar with a lot of people, but I, you know, I try to present it in familiar ways. Um, and everything I have, I, I preserves or I have every berry preserved from last summer. I can still use, I have seaweeds from Bar Harbor. I go to vacation with my son every year. I bring back hundreds of pounds of seaweeds, dehydrate them, use them on pasta, risottos. So it's 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 fresh, it's preserved, it's pickled. It's 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 at a point now where I I've figured out how to bring the whole year together in in that respect instead of just using fresh. But this time of year, spring, it's mostly fresh
1: stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. And in a uh, we were just talking previously before that is a, a, about uh, family moments and, and special moments. Uh, the, the time that Donato mentioned of, uh, having an, a, an event with you and Donato and our, and our families together, my son was dining at that, the event that Don was uh, so graciously uh, kind enough to have us at. And one of the, uh, accoutrements that you had, uh, on the meal, was the fire roasted uh, pine needle that was edible, <laughs> right. and it's funny because whenever we'll go for a walk or anything like that, he sees a pine tree. He'll make an inside joke to just me and my wife to pretend like he's going to the tree and then eating the needles. <laughs> He'll just motion like he's grabbing <laughs> yeah. it and yeah. eating it. So, like you said, you you are creating special moments and memories for so many people that you don't even. Know that once you you've left, you still have touched their lives in ways that are uh, aren't even measurable. And uh, I, I thank you for that. And Don, like you, like we've said before, you you you've seen him quite often. I'm going to put you on the spot now, Don. What's your favorite meal you've had with Chef Phil? What's your favorite dish? What's that one that you were like, mm, Phil, you are the man. Yeah, he uh, he had uh,
0: uh, f- uh, fiddle ferns fiddleheads yeah fiddleheads and yeah you came over and you cooked them up and and then we had uh uh i think it was quail that you cooked with them and
1: uh, that was one of the best dishes i've ever tried Whew. best ever that's what i like to hear best ever but it's no surprise that that i think you've probably heard that quite often chef <laughs> phil i do <laughs>
6: and I, I, I appreciate. I have a great regular clientele base that allows me to experiment on an, if not weekly, nightly basis. That comes back month after month after month. That's and, amazing, and just lets me,
1: you know, do wow. my thing. So I, I couldn't be happier for you. I'm, I'm happy that you uh, were able to join us again. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I want everyone. Uh, to stay uh, tuned to whatever announcements that you have, because I want everyone to see the documentary, The King of Matasuke uh, Ridge, which is fantastic. They must see it. And good luck, my man. Monday, June 5th, the James Beard Restaurant and Chef's Award Ceremony. You are nominated Best Chef in all of Mid-Atlantic. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy and a more talented individual. Uh, please share a website, social media, or anything like that before you go, pal. Uh,
6: social media is uh, Park Place underscore New Jersey, and uh, we do most of our work through that on Instagram. Any announcements and everything, um, so that's the perfect place
0: to go.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us. Good Have yourself there. a great well, night. Th- thanks well, for
6: well, having me,
0: guys, deal. and
1: thanks uh, for all the compliments. No problem. Have a good one. Bye well bye.
0: deserved. Well deserved.
1: Take care. Without a doubt, yeah. uh, Don. I mean, yeah, Chef Phil is quite an amazing individual. Yeah, uh, for somebody that's
0: never had his food, uh, the freshness of it, the way he prepares it, it's uh,
1: second to none. Yeah, talking about second to none. Uh, we have an individual who has come over from, of course. Your favorite country, which would be what? Italia. Oh, Italia. And he is the CEO of... I'm going to try to pronounce it. I should probably let you uh, pronounce this, Don. You're, you're the Italian. I'm, I'm I'm just going to mush this up. Uh, Paolo uh, Ravaganati black line label of gourmet cold cut meat by Italian brand Rovignati. It's, oh my goodness, such a delicious line that has officially launched in New Jersey. Uh, fantastic, fantastic product. And we've got the founder online with us and, uh, CEO Giovanni Quattrone. I hope I pronounced that, uh, correct. But, uh, how's it going tonight Giovanni
7: thank you Derek and Donato really happy to be here with you uh, at the small uh, at a small bites I, I enjoy listening to to you before with uh, uh, the guy that uh, the chef uh, and they show they were showing such a such, such a big passion it was really fun
1: for me oh yes yes and uh, he's amazing I don't know if you've uh, ever been to Park Place cafe and merchant bill but chef Phil forages every single ingredient for the food that you eat at his restaurant he every single except for the meats he doesn't but every single uh, a vegetable fruit herb is all personally picked by him so I highly recommend it and he's nominated James beard uh, best chef in all middle but let's get back to you tell me one about yourself uh, the, Paolo Ravigliani's Italian heritage and the history of the brand.
7: So uh, Gianni
1: Quattrone,
7: Italian from uh, Milano. Uh, I moved for uh, with my job uh, actually in most of the region around the globe. And I landed in U.S. 15 years ago, got in love with the country and decided to stay. Now I joined the uh, Rovagnati, that is one of the major brands in the Italian uh, market, famous for uh, all the salumi, the charcuterie. And um, it's the kind of brand that when you live abroad, as it happened to me in so many countries, uh, you look for being Italian because it's uh, super high standard and super great. So for me, it's a great uh, Pleasure to have embraced uh, this this new adventure. We we started as a company in 1943. Paolo Rovagnati was the founder. Paolo Rovagnati is uh, in Italy recognized for uh, innovation, particularly for this uh, uh, prosciutto, the Cook prosciutto that he invented, that is uh, uh, an amazing uh, process that starts from raw. Uh, prosciutto, and then treat, take away the bones, and then treat uh, with vapor and uh, lot of tastes, and then uh, cut fresh. And we became leader leader in Italy, thanks to this uh, major product. We have now all the uh, all the all the other uh, salumi that are peculiar because we follow the traditional process that come from the history, but with a, a special eye to technology and uh, preparation
1: awesome awesome well i have to say uh first i want to thank uh your organization for the invitation to come down to the factory and to meet you personally don was beyond himself. I'm not going to speak for Don. I'll let Don talk about it. But he he told me after his visit he was thrilled and that uh, the samples that he had were simply uh, divine and that he had a, a wonderful, wonderful time. Not only meeting you, but uh, talking, of course, all things Italian. Wasn't that right, Don?
0: Yes, it was. I was able to spruce up on my Italian a little bit better uh, with uh, Giovanni's help, uh, but the going through the, uh, the, the factory, uh, was an incredible experience. Um, when you go through and, and you see the care and, and, uh, the handling of the products, uh, almost like, uh, handling a little baby for the first time and, you know, show me how that's produced, how it's packaged and the aging and, uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a mind-blowing uh, experience.
1: Now, Giovanni, uh, obviously uh, you're a full-blown Italian. Uh, did Don bring any of his famous uh, Italian espresso down for you? Did Did you bring some down, Don? Yes,
3: uh, that, yeah.
1: I'm so grateful. I
7: have, to, I have to say, it was refreshing to to beat. Uh, Don, because we started to talk about a lot of our, uh, you know, heritage. Because he is really uh, full Italian. I mean, I, I can't imagine somebody more Italian than him. And uh, he stay Italian, you know, because sometimes when you are abroad, there is the tendency to lose to lose some of the roots. But in his case, it was really, we felt one of us. It was really really fun. And the coffee is great. I can tell you. I mean, we we have been enjoying it. Uh, Since we we had from from him, you need to come back. Maybe together, Derek. You are welcome too.
1: Oh, thank you very much. I I appreciate that, and uh, that's wonderful. I love to hear that, Don. Good move on bringing some of that. uh, Don has won awards for that uh, coffee and espresso. Good job, Don. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. It's. uh... Like they say, a good cup of coffee is a good way to become
1: friends. <laughs> I always thought it was a good cup of whiskey, but I guess that's because I'm not Italian. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but getting back to the black line label, I mean, good golly, what a fantastic product line. What makes the flavors delicious and so special? What is it that you guys, is it because you're handling it like a baby, like Don said?
7: <laughs> yeah, I would say we start from uh, from fr- from the beginning. Uh, the, the meat selection is uh, a, b- a big element of our process. We have a uh, super demanding standard, and only few of the meat uh, pass uh, our our selection. And then uh, the process uh, that follow the the traditional Italian way, but also with um, I mean with the opportunity that technology can bring and uh, Here in U.S., for example, we have the same technology we use in Italy, so the maximum of the process. Then is aging, because product needed to age in a special, controlled uh, way. And finally, we slide fresh and we serve uh, with a short shelf life to to all the consumer. This means that the product is exactly the same you could have... uh, in uh, the Duomo of Milano, or uh, uh, in, in any of the major cities in Italy. Awesome,
1: awesome. So, uh, an important question is: Is uh, you guys are new to the market? We want everyone who purchases this item or is inquisitive about what's going on. We're going to have to know with the black label products. How are they? Best served. I mean, what's the best way to enjoy them? So
7: I I usually use it in two ways. One is uh, with my friends because I like to share what uh, best we have uh, uh, to offer, and uh, I mean these products are pretty unique. And uh, usually with a good wine that uh, can be either a good red or even a sparkling white. For example, a good uh, prosecco. And maybe some other cheese. That's uh, one of my favorites, uh, you know, in uh, the social uh, opening of uh, lunch and dinner. We have a lot of guests here uh, uh, at my place with my family. Or it can be, you know, quick and dirty at the end of uh, a long day when I want to stay light and I want to eat something special with only just uh, some bread. Uh, Those are the two ways I usually
1: consume my product. No wonder why Don loves you. You are a man of... Uh, cause, because Don, I know you, you, you you love a good wine, you love a good cheese, you love a good bread, and uh, is, is that exactly how you enjoyed uh, some of the uh, black line products that you had?
0: Well, this, you, you know when you have a great product is when you're... You, know, you, you have the bread and, and you're eating and it almost melts in your mouth. The... The high quality of the meat. Because you know, you get you, you get some pursuit that it's like so stringy, and you, and you're, you're, you you got to pull on it to just to, to be able to eat it. Uh, but with the black label products, as soon as you put it on a, a sandwich and you and you bite into it, it just. Uh, just <laughs> I can hear it, Dodd. You're closing your eyes and you're in heaven, aren't you? Yeah. Mouth just waters. The smell of it is is enticing. Uh, even they have uh, pepperoni uh, sticks that uh, oh. that that are, that are unbelievable. Uh, my favorite is I'm a basic uh, pepperoni guy, uh, or I shouldn't say they pepperoni; they're more of a salami style. Uh, but they have uh, smoked uh, red chili peppers. I would say red chili and a traditional. Uh, I prefer the traditional. And the other two are, are spicy, very good, just enough heat. And then the smoked is like you're at a barbecue. Oh, they
1: sound great. Yeah. So, so Giovanni, what are all of the products that are available for this launch that you're coming out in New Jersey with? Don obviously has me wanting to try them all. Yes, so first of all, if you, when you will come to see us, come
7: light, because as we did with Donato, we will have some food together, for sure, because we love to, to, to have everybody to taste our product. So we have two lines, one for the retail and one for the food service. In the retail, we have four major salami, um, Milano, Napoli, Genoa and um, Finocchiona. And then we have uh, Prosciutto Crudo. And then we have the two cook products, mortadella and cotto. So that's the major range that we serve uh, to the major retailer, uh, even as uh, with, under the brand Rovagnati, in some cases, even uh, with uh, private label. And then in food service, we have more than 30 products. So we have everything from the Italian tradition. It's a long list. Uh, for example, we have uh, four prosciutto crudo and so on, several salami, mortadelle, and so on.
1: I mean, every single thing sounds uh, delicious. And with all of the products, I mean, good golly, sounds like you have everything covered that anybody would ever want. But do you have any other new products on the horizon? Because sometimes people just like to try something new. So we are um,
7: developing a new patent-pending technology that will bring all our range without uh, nitrates. um, You know, uh, this will will help uh, the the best healthy conservation, uh, maintaining all the taste. So we have a big effort under uh, this um, patent-pending technology in developing all the new range that we will... uh, also produce in U.S. Uh, so we will continue importing, but we want also to bring our experience with the with the meat here in U.S. because uh, U.S. has uh, some amazing uh, meat. So those are, I would say, the most um, new, you know, the, the best innovation we are developing in this moment.
1: Awesome. Well, I know for a fact, anyone who's been listening is probably salvating wanting to eat some of these products so the most important question that we can probably ask you tonight is if someone has not seen this product or they're not available or it's not available where they know they they shop where are rovagani products sold so we have a long list
7: um, some thousands of shops um, around the country uh, some uh, some of the major retailers uh, and we are also looking for new partnership because we need help uh, to reach far more uh, customer uh, distributor brokers, uh, retailers because that's our our scope. Our advantage is a, is a product that you taste and you continue to con- to consume. I mean it doesn't uh, require a lot of repetition because the quality, is pretty high and the product talk for itself. So what we register is that one time one person taste uh, uh, one product usually remain attached to the to the category and second start to share that product with his family. So that's um, that,
1: that's what we we see with our product. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, when Don met with you and you guys were hanging out. Uh, Don has been known to tell everyone that he meets about the small town in Italy that his family is from. And I'll let Don repeat it because Lord knows I forget every time, but you being a fellow Italian, Don's fame, the claim is he states that his small town has the best olive oil in all of the world, not just Italy, all of the world. And I'm not telling tales am I, Don. No,
0: not at all. And, uh, Giovanni knows of the region. It's, uh, Piccini Provente di Foggia, which uh, is in the Apulia region of Italy, and are
1: well known for their olive oil. Oh yes. Oh, so Giovanni, do you agree? I have yet have someone back Don's claim. Uh, uh, will Will you be the first to say that that Don is is telling truths here? Yeah. I mean, olive oil is a product that is um,
7: quasi only exclusively from the Mediterranean area, and uh, yes, Puglia, that is where uh, uh, Don comes from, is a really good region for that because it's by the sea, and um, you know, these are a traditional, uh, traditional products so require a lot of time, a lot of experience to be to be done well. Yeah, I think he he is not overclaiming.
0: All right, Don. Say, yes, hey, Derek, all this time you were wondering and wondering.
1: <laughs> that was <not> a confirmation. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. I am happy to hear that. So one of the things that always uh, intrigues me or interests me is whenever someone comes to the States and obviously has a very uh, strong cultural background of where they're from and they've been living here and don't get to go back as often as they would like to is i always like to inquire what's the one thing that you miss about italy the most uh on a daily basis or that pops into your mind is it a meal is it a, is it a beverage is it like man i i love being here but i sure do miss this in italy
7: so you are right when you say uh, here is great. I have to say for me has been uh, me and my family a gorgeous surprise. I, I wouldn't expect uh, this country would uh, enter below my skin. We, we really love here, but Italy is Italy. You know, is blood is. Uh, I believe people. You know, I I mean when I go home uh, there's no rest because we go to all our friends uh, we started uh, to eat foods and now that they know i have this uh, product in hand uh, they like to taste uh, more this uh, this product and i have access there uh, to the factory we have in italy we have seven factories in italy we are the big guys so i can you know bring home a lot of good stuff and with these friends uh, we have a really really,
1: really nice time awesome awesome so uh what is one of the things because obviously uh don mentioned this already that uh sometimes you get prosciutto and uh it's stringy as a shoelace but yours is like butter that's obviously one of the biggest things that it's quality is what you're offering but other than that what makes your products so much different than those of the competitors that we want to go out and make sure that we're we're purchasing yours with our hard-on money because uh, the dollar is harder to stretch. Giovanni?
7: Yeah, we lost you.
0: Yeah, we lost Derek. But uh, to to continue, what makes your product so much better than the the, the competition that's out there? I
7: was, the care of the detail. I mean, we had the, the second generation family coming over and the, the, the first message they told me is uh, "I they wanted to have the best factory down here in the US to serve the best product with no compromise." compromission. There's, uh, we don't speak about the saving. We don't speak about uh, uh, taking out the quality from the product. We want to serve the best of the best because uh, The expectation is that when people taste the best then uh, they they continue to stay with us so we do from uh, from the beginning the italian uh, uh, the italian process with the right meat with uh, the right technology and the 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 amazing stuff is that consumer can taste in u.s the same product they would taste in the best place uh, uh, in italy oh yeah they have the old saying if you build it they will come and
0: yeah, if you stick with a uh, the the high quality product, people know and what they are going to be buying is going to be the best that they've ever had. And it takes uh, a little time to build up that kind of reputation, but when you become number one at what you're doing, people just look for it and they know. Yeah, you are right.
7: You are right, Don that's that's exactly the expectation exactly as it happened in italy because you know these are uh, really tasty product so people wanted the maximum they, they, they no compromise on uh, on good stuff
1: without a doubt well i have to say giovanni it was such a pleasure uh talking to you and uh, Don, I know you were thrilled and you had such an enjoyable time uh, visiting the plant and chatting and having the product. And we want everyone to go out and try this amazing product. So please share a social media, a website, or anything like that before you go. Okay. Thank you so much. We, we, we I love
7: talking to you again. Come, come over. It would be a pleasure to host
1: you in my factory again. Thank you so much. Have yourself a great night. A big uh, on. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao Giovanni. Ciao. Yeah, that
0: that was enjoyable, Don. Oh uh, yeah, he's a, a gentleman, a professional, and his whole staff is the same way. They, yeah, they they treat you very, very, you know, high esteem. They walk you through, explain everything. I'm looking forward to going back down there. Awesome, awesome. Well, I want you.
1: For a few minutes, this is going to be one of them times where you just get to uh, amuse yourself for just a couple minutes okay. uh, and share some thoughts on the audience of what's going on, what's going on in the food world, any events that you're going to be attending or anything like that, and I'll be right back. How's that sound? All right, sounds good.
0: Okay. All right, so I know the the uh, Fearless Restaurant, uh uh, people were, they're going to be having a brunch on the Majulu, uh, where else in other city can you expect to have a brunch on a tall ship that was built over a hundred, 150 years ago? Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm not sure what the menu is going to be, but I think it's going to be top notch. Just sitting fresco. Hope it's the uh, weather cooperates with us. Um, so if anybody's looking for something new to do on a weekend or a weeknight, uh, I think you should look into the module, uh, at Penn's landing, um, to, to you know, keep moving on. Uh, also, uh, you got all the, uh, the, the largest restaurant in the city cafe bar. It should be opening up shortly. If it's not open already. Uh, it's right next to the uh, Maritime Museum, and it's facing the river. You could watch the uh, the boats come down. Uh, it's all outdoor. I would say eighty percent of it, uh, and their food is uh, very uh, reasonably priced. It's good. You know, it's not greasy, and, uh, and you could enjoy a nice drink with your, your favorite person.
1: Oh, well, I, I agree, Don. 100 uh, percent i mean and what a show we've had so far i mean uh ceo, CEO Paolo uh, ravagani black label directly from italy uh, uh chef phil with his new documentary the king of matasaki ridge and nominated as best chef of mid-atlantic for the james beard foundation awards uh this uh, upcoming Monday, June fifth. We wish him the best of luck, and also the Fearless Restaurant Group that you were just talking about. But we've got another individual to keep on on the show, and uh, we're talking about high acclaim here, Don. I mean, a big deal. Three-time James Beard Foundation Award semifinalist, and food, and he was also nominated a food and wines. <laughs> best new chef chef fiat farm i mean and he's got such a highly successful restaurant called pretty bird kitchen how's it going tonight chef good thanks it's, it's actually pretty bird hot chicken oh what did i what did i say <laughs> <You> said, <laughs> I,
3: th- I think you said pretty bird kitchen <laughs> yeah. oh geez
1: close, uh, close, close. <laughs> that's what happens when we're an hour and a half deep my, my eyes start crossing
3: yeah. <laughs> all good all good i'm doing well thanks guys and thanks for having me on
1: oh it is our pleasure so uh as we mentioned uh you're a three-time uh nominated chef that alone right there goes to show that you know what you're doing and uh (laughs) how did the first time was probably amazing the third time was an acknowledgement like now i know what i'm doing
3: (laughs) (laughs) you know it's uh you know i i I feel very fortunate, you know. Um, being a semifinalist, uh it's 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 a great achievement, but you know, I never became a finalist. A finalist is what everybody like strives for. And then after being a finalist, winning the James Beard is what you want. But you know what? I um I think I I I you know, for me the biggest thing in my career is getting Food and Wine magazine's bestie chef. You know, um, as a young chef growing up, it wasn't so much about James Beard for me, it was about being on the cover of food and wine magazine and some of the best chefs, you know, in the country have been in there like the likes of like Daniel Ballou, Thomas Keller, you know, it's a, it's a very small class. When you look at the amount of restaurants there are in the United States and each year they only pick 10 chefs, you know, so to be able to be on that list was, was big, but you know, not, not to say that James Beard wasn't great. You know, I just wish I would have won it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day. I got, I got a feeling. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. But for anyone who is not aware of your story, I mean, I was reading a little bit of the background and goodness gracious, uh, you definitely have quite an intriguing and interesting uh, background Uh It starts in a Malaysian refugee camp. Uh, I won't say the year because we don't like to give people's age. I don't
8: mind at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then uh, you guys immigrated to the United States, grew up in San Francisco. I mean, talk about going from a a world away. I I guess the saying is uh, it, it had to be quite a journey for your parents.
3: Yeah, you know, um, so I, I, you know, like I, my, my, my age is public knowledge online. So I'm, I'm 44 years old. When my parents fled Vietnam, my dad was 30 years old and my mom was 26 years old. You know, even right now at 44 years old, I can't imagine leaving my home country, the United States, and going to another country and knowing nothing about it and not even knowing if I would ever be able to return back to the United States. Well, that's what my parents did. When they were in their 20s and their 30s. So, my dad fought with the Southern Army. And, you know, after the fall of Saigon, he stayed as long as he could, but they knew that they had to leave. If they didn't leave, they would have risked being caught by the communists, thrown in jail, or even killed. So, my parents took a risk. Um, They ended up on a boat, uh, you know, sailing south of Vietnam, ended up on an island on the eastern coast of Malaysia. And that's where I was born. So, after that, we came to the United States. And, you know, my parents, worked really hard to provide us, um, you know, with, 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 with the future, you know, so they, 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 um, they influenced us through so many different ways. And, um, you know, one of the things that they never thought that would actually really do was get in the food industry, because they were in the food industry. And they used it as an example for us to kind of study harder so that we would have like a desk job, you know, be a be a lawyer or a doctor. But here I am, You know, I'm, I'm a chef, you know, I was a fine dining chef and I left all that. And now I'm a fry cook, I fried chicken.
1: Hey, I mean, (laughs) it's where the passion is because I think, you know, as a chef, if you're not cooking something you enjoy or something that you have a passion for, it becomes monotonous and the diners are going to recognize that the flavor just isn't there.
3: Yes, you know, like your love, your feelings, your emotion, it transfers into food, you know, like I'm I'm sure you guys have had dinners or or meals where it just felt soulless, you know, and I firmly believe in the transfers of energy and, you know, your emotions and your energy really do. It it, it translates into your food. So, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I love fried chicken. There's so many different variations of it. Um, Culturally, there's different variations of it. And at the end of the day, you know, fried chicken is something that is not pretentious. It's not like fine dining where you have to sit straight and you have to have a jacket and you have to know what utensils to use. I'm giving you something really simple. You know what it is. You know exactly how it's going to taste, and then you take a bite of it. It blows your, it knocks your socks off, and that's all that matters. Yeah, oh, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> now, now, Don,
1: are you are you a fried chicken fan?
0: I I love fried chicken. But I, I love them directly because a lot of people they they soak them too long and they're greasy and a good fried chicken is crunchy, nice flavor. They, most of the time when I eat fried chicken, if I don't, I just I take everything off and just eat the meat. But well, that's not fried, fried chicken, chicken,
1: Don. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> if a good chicken. Fried chicken, a good sandwich. You can bite into it and you enjoy the crunchiness of. The, the batter or, sure. or if they even use a batter they don't use a batter it's you can see yeah, it, it's you know, like done correctly the oils are changed like they're supposed to
3: and... yeah there's a lot of different variations of uh of fried chicken and you know what there isn't a variation that is better than the other in my opinion i i love all types of fried chicken i even love bad fried chicken you know there, yeah. there's a certain comfort <laughs> that comes with it and you know like people ask me all the time like what's your favorite fried chicken you know honestly like if 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 you were to present me my last meal today, you know, as much as I love Pretty Bird, my nostalgia, my, growing up, what I loved eating is like Popeyes, KFC, Church's Fried Chicken. Those are the things that really bring that warmth and that and those memories. And you know, um, believe it or not, one of the fried chickens, uh, the style of fried chickens that I really love is the original recipe from KFC. That's not crispy at all. That's just kind of like mush, you know. But for some <laughs> reason, like as a kid, I just I love those textures. It's dude. the spices. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's that, it's, it's that spice your,
1: blend. Spices. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Now, for for me, uh, uh, when I was very young, my parents worked at a catering hall, okay. and what would happen there would be, uh, obviously, if the wedding or whatever event they were catering, uh, they didn't give all the fried chicken out, they would come home with, say, a half a tray of the leftover fried chicken, and I would just devour it. That was where my love of fried chicken came in, and even the next morning, cold eating it cold was yeah. just as uh, yeah. delicious. Where yeah. did the inspiration or that love for fried chicken come for you?
3: Sure. So you know, um, my career started in fine dining. That's where I kind of "quote unquote" cut my teeth. You know, um, I've I've cooked at a very high level almost all my life. Um, so you know, I. Originally from the Bay Area, I moved out to Salt Lake City uh, in 2008, and I started at a restaurant called Forage. Forage was a small little house that I converted over. There was 32 seats, 11 tables, and we did a set menu. You would get between 14 to 17 courses, and I foraged for a lot of these ingredients along the Wasatch Front, which is a mountain range that surrounds Salt Lake City. So early on, I, I had this opportunity to do this television show with Food Network called Food Network Star. So, uh, if you're familiar with Guy Fieri, he started his career on doing um, on being a contestant on Food Network Star. And the premise of the show is you get thrown into a bunch of different situations, and then at the end of the show, if you end up winning, you get your own show, and that's that's how uh, Guy Fieri ended up becoming very famous. So we filmed this, we filmed Food Network Star in L. A. and this is in 2013. I made it halfway, and after you make it halfway, they don't send you home because if they send you home, they know that you got eliminated. So they keep you there, but they transfer you to another hotel. So when I got transferred to this other hotel, I had a little bit more freedom. So I was able to kind of explore the dining scene, the food scene around um, L.A., and then and eventually ended up in Orange County. Went to a buddy's restaurant, and he presented some Memphis-style hot chicken. And up until that point, in my young chef career, you know, I, I've, I've had a lot of different fried chicken, but I've never had hot chicken before, or at least mm-hmm. like famous- The Holy Grail. <laughs> yes. You know, like Popeyes is pretty spicy, but I never had like really authentic hot chicken. So he, he was in the process of trying to bring um, Uncle Lou's Memphis hot chicken to LA. And he had the recipe, so he made a platter for us. And, you know, here I am as a young chef going out to eat, trying to gain as much perspective as I can. And fried chicken is good, but it was never one of those dishes where I felt like I was going to get any inspiration or at least perspective. So I looked at this dish, it looked really nice. It had like a really nice kind of vinegary, peppery smell. I took a bite into it and then I just, it just literally knocked my socks off. And I knew right then and there that once I'm finished with fine dining, I'm going to open up a fried chicken place. So fast forward. Uh, Six years later, 2018, ended up opening a restaurant called Pretty Bird. And I don't know if you guys know, but are you guys fans of uh, Dumb and Dumber? Have you ever watched? Dumb and oh, Dumber? so you're <laughs> saying
1: there's a chance? Yes. yes.
3: yes. <laughs> so if you remember that scene um, where that little boy in the wheelchair, he got deep into Pretty Bird. Headless. There. Yep. <laughs> so you know, unbeknownst to me, when I named that restaurant Pretty Bird, I was actually channel surfing at night, and then I came across that scene and had this epiphany, and I knew I had to name it Pretty Bird. But that scene was actually filmed three blocks away from my location, and I had no idea. So. Harry and Lloyd's apartment, where they lived in, is three blocks away. So wow. um, I found this out from a customer, and I, I during my break I walked down there, and there it was. There was, there was Harry and Lloyd's apartment, and that was a scene where they filmed that uh, the that scene with uh, with, uh, with with Pete. I, I think it was Pete, right? Pete. Yep. And the, the yep. pretty bird scene. Yeah. So, so that um,
1: means the should the cast should come to pretty bird has uh mr Carey and uh mr bridges come to uh, or uh i, I think i, I don't jeff, jeff what was jeff what's jeff's i can't think of the actor's name is it bridges
3: uh, I, no i i forgot let's let's just think of that let's just say harry and lloyd <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> we lloyd. need harry and lloyd to come to pretty bird yes.
3: you know harry and lloyd have not been to the pretty bird however the little boy in the wheelchair has. He is no, really? 30s. Yes, he is now in his 30s, and we have a mutual friend. So he's an avid rock climber, and I have a friend that's, a, that, that's an avid climber as well. And she introduced us. So he was living in LA, and then now he lives um, just south of Salt Lake. And he came with his family and ate, and you know I got to meet him, and it's awesome. I like I got to hear his stories, and to this day he still gets royalty checks from uh, his appearances. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: awesome. oh yeah. yeah. I mean that's yeah. that's the, the being an like, iconic film. That's that's great. Now, how about you, Don? Do you like uh, Memphis hot chicken or Nashville hot or any, any of that sort of? Or, or
3: I mean, Do you guys I, know I, the I, difference between Nashville and Memphis hot chicken? Nope. Tell us, tell okay. us. So, so it's kind of like uh, Memphis barbecue. When you think of Memphis barbecue, it's a vinegary, um, less sweet uh, barbecue sauce. So yes. it's it's kind of the same application with Nashville hot chicken So, or, or with Memphis hot chicken. So Nashville hot chicken is basically varying degrees of heat. And that's basically it. There's not a lot of complexity. There's just a lot of heat. Whereas Memphis hot chicken, it, it seems counterintuitive, but after they fry their chicken, they take the chicken and they dunk it into a mixture of hot sauce, apple cider vinegar, honey, and spices. And then they they, they dunk it really quickly, they take it out. The chicken is still crackly, and you, you can hear it cracking, you know, and then you bite into it and you get this vinegary sweetness, and then the heat comes up. It's it's just like it's it, it hits all of the senses. It's amazing. And it's spicy, but it's not like natural hot chicken where it like literally just like makes you cry, you know? Yeah. Well, I
1: have to say, I have never had a Memphis hot chicken. I mean, Nashville hot chicken is all over the Philadelphia region, yeah. so yeah. I'm ashamed of myself, Donato. <laughs> you, you know, a lot of me. people have. not you
3: know, I mean, Nashville has overshadowed all other styles of hot chicken due to its popularity in the last, watch, I mean, like eight, eight to ten years. But if you guys get a chance, you know, you look up uh, is it? It's, it's called Uncle Lou's Memphis Hot Chicken. Check it out.
1: Uncle Lou's.
3: Definitely. Uncle's, yeah. Uncle Lou's. I,
1: I love that flavor combination. I mean, that just sounds, it's going to be right up my alley, 100%. Yeah. And also, I like that you guys offer uh, interesting and different sides. Tell us, the because you have the uh, crinkle cut fries, the Mexican street corn. You don't see that a lot yeah. around here.
3: So, you know, we, we change up our sides um, every now and then. But, you know, the, the menu is actually really small. So we first started off with just two items of uh, fried chicken sandwich, traditional fried chicken in the size of quarter birds. So you either get a quarter white or a quarter dark. And then we have slaw, which is, um, it's just red cabbage that it's quickly brined in a little bit of apple cider, uh, some spices and a little bit of fish sauce. And then, um, we had, we started off with the seasonal side of like, um, we roasted some, uh, some zucchini squash with some parmesan and mint. Now we have a, um, a Mexican street corn salad. So it's a riff off of an elote salad. So it's basically roasted corn. There's uh, poblano chilies in there. A little bit of our Pretty Bird uh, sauce, which is a sauce that's made from buttermilk, mayo, fresh squeezed lemon juice, lemon zest, and spices. So when you, when, like, when you see a lot of these sauces that they dip their fried chicken in, it's always really heavy. But our sauce is bright and lemony, and it really balances out the richness of uh, the fried chicken. And then we top that off with a little bit of a tortilla, parmesan cheese, some uh, cilantro, green onion, and a wedge of lemon or a wedge of lime that you squeeze on. And, like, that's the salad. And that's the salad that's kind of, like, stayed on our menu for a while now because people love it. And it's easy. uh, It's refreshing. And it just kind of hits all the senses.
1: Man. You might be my new best friend. (laughs) How, how about
3: you, Don? <laughs>
1: this is sounded right up my eye. I don't know about you, Don. Yeah, but
0: uh yeah, I had the uh the one with the vinegary taste, the uh the the Memphis style.
1: Yeah, yes,
0: yeah, that one I've had a few times. And I've always Where are you going? How how are you not sharing where are you finding this, Don? You gotta come to my tavern. The chef <laughs> in there cooks it all the time.
3: Really? He, he, guys are yeah. out. He's, he was holding out on you guys.
1: Yeah, he's holding these secrets. He he invited me for a salmon cheese steak. I didn't get invited for the Memphis hot chicken. Way to go, Don. Uh, yeah, I think I did invite you. He just ignored me. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chef, one of the things that I like to ask uh, anyone who is highly accomplished, and obviously you are, uh, is you. when or what was the one moment where you said in your mind i need to pinch myself because i can't believe this because you've been nominated for a lot of awards you've won a lot of awards and obviously you have been on quite a lot of uh food television on the food network and such but out of all of that or maybe it's something completely different maybe with some childhood friend of your parents who came and visited like this is the greatest meal ever and that was the <laughs> what's the moment in your career that one aha moment that made you sit back Gosh, and be like you this know has all been worth it
3: yeah. So when I think of the, when, when I think of that moment, it's actually two moments, you know? So I, uh, I started later in my life as a chef. So I, I didn't start like really cooking until I was 29. You know, I, I did go to culinary school and I worked in a restaurant for about two years in my early twenties, but then I left and then, um, I decided to come back. So, you know, I was living at home with my parents up until I was 29. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> or at least all my girlfriends back then. But yeah. So I was, I was living at home and you know, I, on a whim, I told my parents that I'm going to move out to Utah to help a friend open up a restaurant. And up until then, you know, I, I've never left the Bay area. I've never left home. And, you know, Later in my 20s, leaving home, it was one of the toughest decisions that I've ever made. And I struggled a lot. You know, my very first kitchen jobs that I worked at when I was here in Utah, um, I got fired from and you know i was living here less than a year and you know there was a lot of struggles there was a lot of ups and downs and i didn't have any family and i didn't have a lot of friends here but you know i just kept on pushing i was i was that stubborn kid that stubborn chef That like you know like i had to prove myself to people and um you know and and most importantly i, I wanted to make myself and my, my parents proud so you know um when i got the phone call um This was in February of 2011. Um, It was a phone call from Dana Cowan. She was the editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine at that time. And um, at that time, American Express owned them. So they would call our restaurant all the time. And... We have fantastic gatekeepers. You know, my, my front of house staff, when they see these phone calls, they'll just hang up on them or tell them that the chefs are busy. But Dana kept on calling, calling throughout the day, and they kept telling them, oh, the chef's busy. He Can we just take a message? And then her final call was at like 4.45. It was 15 minutes before service, and I was already in the weeds. And my manager comes, and she goes, you know what? This lady, Donna, she keeps on calling, and she needs to talk to you, and, you know, and I'm like, oh, I can't take this call because I still got to make the bread. So I told my partner to go take the call. He took the call. He was gone. And he came back like 15 minutes later. And He goes, Fiat, you got to take this call. I'm like, are you serious? I take the call. I'm kind of pissed off. And um, she calls and then she introduces herself. I'm like, oh, it's Dana. I, I know who this lady is. She's kind of like the goddess of the food world at the time. And she called and apologized to me because we were in the running for people's choice, Best New Chef, but we have lost. We found out that day. And she goes, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that you lost. However, I wanted to call you with some other news. I'm like, all right. So I I step outside. I'm in in my little greenhouse. She calls me and she tells me that she wanted to congratulate me that I've won, you know, Food & Wine Magazine's Best New Chef. And that's when I kind of took a knee and I cried because I sacrificed so much and, you know, there's times that I wanted to give up. And more importantly, all I wanted to do is prove to myself and my family that, like, you know, like, I could do it. And um, being able to get Best You Chef, you know, um, that, that, that proved that throughout all those sacrifices, you know, it wasn't just in vain and for nothing, you know. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was like the highlight of my career. And then second was um, being on Kitchen Stadium on Iron Chef America. You know, I grew up watching Iron Chef Japan with my parents every Friday. They come home from work. They bring food. We sit on the TV and watch Iron Chef Japan. And then, um, you know, after I got Best New Chef a year later, I got this opportunity to go on the show. So I got called. I got to go on the show. And then it was, a, it was filmed in, uh, in an open audience. So I invited my parents. I flew my parents out. They're sitting in the audience. And at this time, win or lose, you know, I'm on Kitchen Stadium looking out and seeing my parents and they're like, they have a smile from ear to ear. And like, to me at that point, that was like, that was like one of my proudest moments, you know, and then going against Bobby Flay and beating him, you know, that was even, that was even a more amazing experience. So, you know, those are the two, you know, the, the two points in my life and my career that I can honestly say when I look back, like that was a turning point and one of the proudest moments in my life.
1: That's amazing. I mean, yeah. uh, and like, uh, uh, it just had to be beyond belief. Uh, yeah,
3: it was. It, it was. It was. It was like a dream. You know, I had to pinch myself a couple times.
1: Great, great story. Now, <laughs> obviously, uh, it's not easy running one restaurant. Uh, you are running four locations, but you yeah. have plans that you want to open even more
3: yes Uh, we are working on our fifth location right now. please tell me it's philadelphia please tell me it's philadelphia (laughs) please tell me it's philadelphia (laughs) you know i i I actually i was in philadelphia a couple years ago um one of my buddies he was also on food network star for me with me he lives in ambler pennsylvania do you guys know where ambler is oh yeah that's not far yeah he has a um he has a barbecue restaurant out there his name is chad rosenthal Oh, yes, yes. He has a lucky – Lucky well. Lucky well. Oh, yeah. He's won quite –
1: he's not even allowed to go into the burger competitions anymore. We banned him because he won too much.
3: (laughs) Well, you know what? The show that I most recently did with him, it aired last month. It was called Super Chef Grudge Match. So during the pandemic, he had a pivot. Uh, So from doing barbecue, he ended up doing fried chicken. So he called me out on a fried chicken battle, and I went head-to-head with him on a fried chicken battle, but I won't give you the results unless you want to know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is great. Yeah. but He won so much at the Philly burger brawl, they they kicked him out. So
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. But you know, like uh, he's, he's great. And you know, I, I, I do going back to your question. I do have plans to expand pretty bird, you know, right now, you know, I, when I was in fine dining, I told myself, you know, I'm going to do something that's scalable, something that's easy and something that's going to be fun. Well, you know, this is probably the hardest thing that I've ever done ever in my life. You know, in fine dining, you know, the the type of employees that you attract are career oriented chefs and cooks. You know, now that I've transitioned from uh, fine dining into fast casual, you're attracting people from all walks of life, not so much people that are looking at Um, becoming chefs you know so with that comes a lot of challenges a lot of just moving parts and it's been super super challenging you know like I still consider us uh, to be in our infancy stages Um, but yeah you know I hope to expand outside of Utah we're going to focus around the mountain the surrounding mountain states such as Colorado Arizona possibly Idaho and then California and then possibly the Midwest and then uh, the and then the East Coast. Um, i'll I'll be waiting (laughs) i'll
1: be waiting so chef, it was such a joy to get to uh meet you this is our first time chatting with you and uh, i had a great time i hope you did as well
3: i I did i did i enjoyed being on the show
1: thank you thank you and uh please feel free to share a social media website or anything like that before you depart
3: I, i sure will And uh, if you guys ever end up in my neck of the woods, uh, stop by Pretty Bird, and instead of giving you a small bite, I'm going to give you a big bite of chicken, huh?
1: That's (laughs) what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs)
8: Yeah.
1: Pretty Bird. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Have yourself a great night, Chef.
3: Yeah, you as well.
1: Bye. Bye. Yeah, so uh, going from one fantastic chef to another uh we have a guest on who sometimes you just can't enjoy everything don but yeah that just because you can't enjoy everything doesn't mean that you want to sacrifice on flavor very true so we we want to make sure that we have easy allergy-free cooking with simple and safe everyday recipes for everyone that's the way i like to do it and we have the perfect individual to talk about that. And uh, she's authoring this new cookbook herself. Her name is Kayla. Let's see if I can get the last name. Capileo?
9: <laughs> Hi, it's Capiello. But you were so close. Almost.
1: <laughs> almost. I'm banging my head hey, on you're the getting, table. getting a lot better, Derek. It's not <laughs> in the Chinese language. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, well, pleasure to have you join us. Uh, we want to know... First, let's hear about your journey and uh, learn about how this all came about, because this was due to uh, dietary restrictions and allergies that that you deal with. Isn't that correct?
9: Yeah, for sure. Um, I always knew I was allergic to some tree nuts Um, when I was in high school. I was obviously just snacking on the wrong thing, and I had some pistachios, and my face just got so swollen. So tree nuts were always a thing for me growing up that I avoided. Um, I can actually eat peanuts because that's not a tree nut. So I can eat peanut butter, which is great. Um, But after that, it was pretty smooth sailing until I graduated from college and I started working in corporate America. And no matter what I ate at lunch at three o'clock, I had a stomach ache every single day. And I started trying to seek out like something to make me feel better. I saw a bunch of doctors, I saw an allergist, and I finally found one doctor that really just was the right person for me. She was the right fit. And she was like, I'm going to test you for absolutely everything. And let's just see what comes back. Um, I then I found out I was lactose intolerant, which I honest to God, I had no idea about that was very shocking for me and then i found out i had the celiac gene and i was celiac my dad had actually been diagnosed around the same time as well and it can be hereditary so that was that was very eye opening as well and i ended up going gluten free um well I mean, it actually, was a journey
1: <laughs> you're not kidding that's a journey but i don't know if it's because of uh, the internet social media everything like that but uh, I know me and Don, we always hate to show our age, but uh, many years ago, it wasn't something that a lot of people talked about. So you didn't think a lot of people had it, but Don can speak for himself because Don is lactose intolerant. And doesn't it seem like it, it's more accepting Don that now you have found others surrounding even yourself that uh, it, it's not such a stigma to talk about anymore. No, definitely not. Um,
0: I mean, I I still enjoy a little bit of cheese here and there when I can get away with it, Um, but the milk's definitely a no-no. And uh, there are more and more friends that, you know, once you start talking about it, they're like, you too, you too. Uh,
4: Yeah.
0: uh, Plus any other allergies that are coming along. Thank God I'm not allergic to too much, uh, but the lactose is the only thing I need to really uh, watch
1: myself when I'm out, out and about yeah I mean and like I said, I mean, I, I think uh, this day and age, it's just really brought everyone around. and I think that's the perfect wording. you too, uh, we don't have to feel alone. and uh, uh, you started a blog and you even created a community. how did how did all that get started?
9: Yeah. Well, I think what you guys are saying is totally spot on. Like I was looking for someone just like one other person that I could relate to, because when you turn around and there are other lactose intolerant people, you don't feel so alone. But like with the lactose and the tree nuts and like gluten free, I was like, shoot, there has to be one more person out there who can at least relate to like what I'm going through. And I want to find that person So I just started posting all my recipes on my Instagram, hoping like, you know, if I hashtag the right thing, maybe I'll find somebody who can commiserate with me. And I have 52,000 followers now. And I have to assume a lot of them relate to what I'm going through. And I think that at the end of the day, I just felt so much less alone. And I found people who like experience what I experience and developed a community. And I think it really... It really was satisfying to know I was not the only one suffering through this.
1: That's great. And then, like you said, uh, the community is so close knit and they've really uh, latched on to uh, what you've been going through and and, uh, the stories that you've been able to share. And as you do, your Instagram, good golly, it's so popular. And the, the blog is fantastic as well. Is this the reason why you wanted to write a cookbook or did someone reach out to you? How did the cookbook come about?
9: Um, I was sharing a lot of my recipes on Instagram. And when I started, I obviously didn't have that many followers. But I think the amount of text you could include on Instagram is just not that much. It's like, here's my recipe and I can't tell you anything else about it. Like, I can't explain to you where it came from or how I came up with it or different ways to make it your own. And I just wanted to be able to have a bigger platform for that and like a bigger area to share more of my thoughts. So I ended up making the blog and I was like, how am I going to reach more people? Like what is the right way? So I found um, a literary agent who I didn't have that many followers and he very much believed in me and he helped me write a proposal and then shopped it around to different publishers, which I, I thought everything was so overwhelming when I was like, I just want to share this with more people. Like how do I even think about the next step? And he was so great at bridging that gap for me.
1: Well, I, I have to say, uh, I'm impressed, uh, 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 knock on wood, as of right now, I don't really have uh, many sort of allergic reactions to anything uh, that I eat or that I'm aware of that my body is showing symptoms of. But the one thing that I love about this cookbook is it's sort of a a choose-your-own-adventure cookbook. And I think it's really going to help a lot of people because the way you've set this up is how one base recipe can be adjusted to accommodate whether it's gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, vegetarian, low-fat, or low-carb. That was a brilliant move. Uh, Thank
3: you. how how,
1: How did you come up with that concept? And I wish more cookbooks would do that.
9: Well, I kind of started realizing that once I gained a following, people would ask in the captions, like, hey, you use shredded chicken for this, but I'm actually vegetarian. Like, how can I adjust it? And I was like, wow, I remember being there and seeing a recipe I wanted to make. And I wasn't sure how to adjust it to accommodate what I needed. So I just started including like all these adjustments. So, you know, there's not a lot of people out there who have all of my exact allergies, but there are people out there who do have more than one, even if it's low fat and low carb. Yes, it's Not what I make every day, but it's definitely something I can relate to. So I was like, I just want to encompass like as many adjustments as needed. And the goal was kind of to teach the reader, you know, what I had to learn the hard way. Like, here's a base recipe, but here's how you can adjust it. Because in the beginning, I was stuck figuring out how to adjust it on my own. So I was like, the more people, the better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, with 100%. uh, Now, because... uh... Of the cookbook and how popular things are, I'm sure uh, you sort of feel pressure of uh, what you should make or or how to stock your pantry. What, what what's the uh, method that you go by? What's the what's the plan that you abide by in order to stock your pantry?
9: Sure. So. I guess there are a couple things that I think are like absolute staples, at least in like my own house, um, like gluten free soy sauce is a must when I go out to a restaurant and I want soy sauce, it's not very often that they have the gluten free version. So I love to make anything at home that has soy sauce to still enjoy that same flavor. Um, I always keep stocked with gluten-free pasta, gluten-free pizza crust. I keep stocked cauliflower rice, brown rice, even regular white rice because I love to mix like all three together. So it's the low-carb option when I need it. I try to really set like a healthy base. I always keep greens in the house, whether it's mixed greens, lettuce, arugula, um, romaine, anything. Because I'm like, if I know it's there, I know I'm going to make something that has it. And if I'm kind of stuck with an empty pantry and an empty fridge with nothing to use, I default to like, let me make a frozen pizza. And that's like not the base I want to set for
1: myself. (laughs) Without a doubt. And also one of the things that I like is, uh, you mentioned what can I use as substitutes? And this is a big deal in many industries, especially I know Donato with you in DNL coffee services is, uh. Uh, you have to deal quite often, Don, with people with uh, uh, again, lactose in, uh, intolerance or uh, milk allergies. And you sort of always have to answer those questions of what can you substitute? And I think Don, you, you do a pretty good job of that with uh, DNL coffee service.
0: Yeah,, the, the thing we mostly recommend are the alternatives from uh, oat milk, uh, soy, for people that can have soy. Uh, that they have the older alternatives that have so many different milk options out there that you can add to your coffee. Uh, oat milk seems to be the most popular one right now. Uh, so uh, when we train people, we, we teach them how to steam the oat milk, which is steams a lot different than regular milk when you're making your cappuccinos and lattes. And, and I know, uh,
1: Kayla, I mean, I, I, I know for you personally, uh, With Don running his business with that way, that has to uh, help individuals such as yourself and your community that when you go to a cafe, that you do have options that your barista will know how to steam. Yeah, that's important.
9: I feel like that's so important. And it's like, it's just so maybe is satisfying the right word when I know I can go someplace and it's going to be safe and I can get something that is lactose intolerant. And it's so rewarding when someone knows how to do it properly. I think those are the places I end up going back to over and over and over. Because I'm like, even if they don't understand that I have to be lactose intolerant, like they don't know what that's like. They know how to cater to me. And that's so important.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So this is the big cookbook launch. Obviously, uh, you've got a close-knit uh, close knit community. Uh, got a lot of fans out there. Uh where are we going after this? I I know we want to bask in the glory of this for a little while, but uh, I think you're too talented and you uh, speak for enough people that we want to know what's next on the horizon.
9: Of course. I mean, I'm definitely hoping for a second cookbook. I think I already have the ideas brewing in my head. The pizza chapter was absolutely my favorite one to write. So I'm really considering that. I think, writing a second cookbook is even more challenging because the first one, you're kind of thinking of ideas and things you've been making for years. But a second one, you have to come up with all those ideas in such a smaller, like finite amount of time. And I think that would be really challenging and really rewarding at the same time. So fingers crossed on that one.
1: Well, I have no doubt that that's going to be in the works as great as this book is. We want everyone to go out easy, allergy-free cooking, simple and safe everyday recipes for everyone. And in this book, there are 100 meals for gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, and other, di- other diets. Great job. Fantastic book. We want everyone to go out. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please share a website, social media, or anything like that before you go.
9: Yeah, so um, please follow me on Instagram at Kayla Cappiello. It's just my first and last name. And if you want more recipes like this, you can also find more at Kaylacapiello.com.:
1: Thank you so much. It was a joy talking to you. Have yourself a great night.
9: Thank you so much.
1: Take care Thank you. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Don, that was
9: uh, fun.
1: And we are going to go 100% to the opposite end of the spectrum. Do you know why, Don? Because we can. Darn tootin' rootin', Don. Because <laughs> we're going to go. We're not going to talk about veggies. We yeah. could, but we're talking about good, delicious, blackstone griddling meats, burgers, steaks, all sorts of fantastic stuff. And we are going to talk to Josh Hunt. He has put, oh my goodness, an amazing, amazing cookbook. It's called The Black Stone Gridlin, The Ultimate Guide to Show-Stopping Recipes on Your Outdoor Gas Griddle. And they are more popular than ever. How's it going tonight, Josh? It's going great. You guys hear me? Hear you great. Perfect. Hear awesome. you here you're great. Yeah. So, uh, for anyone who uh, does not know you, Josh, you are the creator of Josh Hunt Gridlin. Uh, give us some of your uh, background because it's, it's pretty uh, interesting.
10: Yeah. So, about three years ago, uh, whenever the pandemic hit and we were forced to cook at home for the first time in a long time, you know, we. We have a, a family, and so we, we like to go out to eat a lot. I would cook at home, but just kind of basic stuff that the kids liked. And so uh, in April of 2020, I went out and bought my first Blackstone griddle uh, at the advice of one of my coworkers, and they said, uh, you know, hey, I love this thing. We're, we're taking it camping with us, all this. And so I started looking at them online, and I saw this this grandiose model that had air fryers and everything else, and it was, it was a little expensive for our, our family budget. And So I talked my wife into it. She's like, as long as you're going to use this thing, you can go buy it. So that day I went and put the order in, picked it up. And yeah, I just kind of fell in love with this thing. I I was like, I'm going to show her, I'm going to cook on it every day this week and just, you know, make sure I'm uh, getting my money's worth out of it. And I fell in love with it and started cooking almost every day on it. And a week turned into two weeks, turned into a month. And next thing you know, six months later, it's the only thing I'm cooking on. We don't, you know, I hadn't turned my stove on in months uh, inside the house and just absolutely fell in love with this thing, uh, cooking everything from burgers to steaks to, uh, pancakes and everything in between. And so, yeah, it got really interesting. I had a buddy, uh, another buddy at work that said, you need to start posting some of these pictures. Cause I would send it to them and say, Hey, look what I'm making on my Blackstone. and they're like, these look really good. And people are really into food on social media. And I was hesitant, but I went ahead and started an account in July of 2020 And it's just kind of taken off from there. It's been really incredible posting to Facebook and Instagram and just having this kind of community come around them. Because Blackstone's got so popular during that uh, 2020 year where people were doing the same thing, being forced to cook at home. And uh, yeah, Blackstone just really blew up at that time.
1: Now, you can be honest with us. No no one's listening, Josh. But uh, you can be truthful. When your wife said, you better make sure that it's worth it, that we don't want to spend this money. You yeah. said, all right, I'm going to show you. Oh, exactly. That's exactly what it was.
10: <laughs> and because she had gotten me a a big Kenmore, you know, chrome, chromed out grill probably 10 years before that for father's day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use this thing. And I really just, I, I wasn't using it uh, to its potential. And the thing ended up getting rusted out and all this other stuff. So this was kind of like a redemption of that old grill that I just, uh, you know, we had young kids at the time and I thought I'd spend a lot of time out there and just didn't really have the time to do it. So um, the Blackstone just it, it, it got me outdoor cooking. I wasn't doing any of that before, so I started doing a lot of research on YouTube and finding other people that were doing it, and just always trying to up my game and and post better pictures. So the whole food photography thing became a thing as well of just wanting to get better and always improve on the skills. And uh, yeah, it just kind of grew up from there. And last year in January, I had uh, Page Street Publishing contact me and say, "Hey, we'd love to do a cookbook with you." And I was like. I, I, what, you know, I was blown away. Uh, it was never on my horizon. I'm just a, you know, a backyard cook. And uh, it was really incredible to have somebody say, hey, we, we we believe in you. We think you can do that. So I took, you know, a couple of months to think about it and pray about it. And in March, we signed the contract to start working on it. And so all of last year from March to August, working on these recipes, these these pictures. So I did all the photography, wrote the whole book. Um, Page Street did an awesome job publishing it and designing the book and putting it all together. And it looks incredible. So proud of it. And uh, yeah, so all the photography and really all the recipes were all written on my iPhone. They were, you know, I I, I do the pictures, do the editing. Uh, Most of the recipes are written, you know, either on vacation or, or, you know, in my uh, bedroom at night, just, you know, getting these recipes knocked out. And so it was a really cool experience learning how to, to write full, you know, recipes with the measurements and the ingredient list and it's just been an awesome process and i'm astounded at how well this book has done since it released on april 25th it's been really really cool to see just the community that i have around me with blackstone with outdoor cooking um all of these people just kind of come around it and it's doing incredible it was number 1 in barbecue and grilling for most of uh, the first week and a half uh, beating out like f- you know aaron franklin's new book and other stuff and it just blew me away on amazon uh just having it do as well as it did and i just yeah i just have loved the whole process and have loved the results. And it's just, it's been really, really cool to see.
1: Well, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, you're extremely talented. The, the recipes that you're putting in there are just mouthwateringly delicious and you're entertaining. I mean, uh, facts be facts. You're, you're a nice guy. And I hope that, iPhone is sponsoring you and giving you the newest iPhone. <laughs> I wish. Whenever. I
10: wish. I've tried to tag them a couple of times, but yeah, they don't really I don't really get any uh, any kudos from them at all.
1: But. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're, you're giving them the credit for some of these uh, pictures. Today. That's the least they could do is make sure yeah, you're absolutely. testing out the newest phone.
10: Yeah, there <laughs> you go.
1: <laughs> Good golly. Uh, how about you, Don? Are you a fan of uh, Blackstone's and this Ritalin? I know a lot of people. They love it. Well, actually, you know we go down the shore for the
0: Mummers Weekend. Yeah and we cooked i would say 80% of the food on the flat grill. Yeah. Uh because it's a lot easier to feed the masses. We ran out a whole motel which uh, is 120 130 people and try to feed that many people on a, a conventional grill it's it's almost impossible. But with yeah. the uh the uh, flat grill uh it cooks up so much better. We could do 20 uh uh Grilled ham and cheese
1: sandwiches, scrapple, eggs. It, it sounds to me that this year at the Mummers Festival that you're going to be stepping up your game down there with Josh's Blackstone and cookbook. Because once you have this in hand, Don, for you and your entire party, you're going to be able to have Blackstone buttermilk pancakes, right. griddled shrimp, pad thai. Listen to this one. This one's going to make you the fan of everyone down there, jalapeno and onion triple smash burgers. I like that. Oh, sounds good. And yeah, so this- that was- I'm
0: definitely, I'm definitely going to use some of those <laughs> recipes down there.
1: Trust me. <laughs>
10: Yeah. One of the things when I first started posting in some of these Facebook groups and things about some of my creations that people were just, they were locked in that, Hey, you can only use this for burgers and pancakes. But I was like, no, let's push the boundaries a little bit. What else can we do? So things like griddled uh, pad Thai, like going outside the box a little bit and, and just kind of blowing people's minds of, Oh, you can accomplish all kinds of things on this, this cooktop. And so they've become so popular, um, with, me getting into outdoor cooking, the barbecue stuff had to come along. I'm down in Texas. So, you know, our Texas barbecue, I've always been a huge fan. I've never really been very good at it myself. So getting into doing that stuff on, you know, I cook on a Traeger for that kind of stuff, but then combining the two and taking your old leftovers, uh, you know, your, your brisket leftovers, and then turning it into a, you know, a breakfast taco with eggs and all the toppings and all that other kind of stuff. So um, yeah, just, it's so versatile. You can do so many things on it and it's just been an incredible journey and just, you know, Hope to continue cooking on griddle tops, you know, whatever the brand, there's so many of them out there now um, that it's really opened up the, the horizon. So, so, this book does, you know, it is labeled Blackstone Griddling, but it can be used these techniques, especially for seasoning and maintaining your griddle and cooking on it. There's so many options out there and brands now that these really kind of you can transverse these, to, you know, to any any brand griddle that's out there, and these recipes will work for um, on any of them. So,
1: now I'm impressed with the. Variety and really the intuition of the, ver- the recipes that you're putting out there because the book includes 60 phenomenal phenomenal recipes like uh, the banging basil pork, the grilled ziti, uh, chicken fried steaks and bacon gravy, smashed Absolutely. cinnamon rolls. Where are these ideas coming from? You are like an uh, idea machine.
10: Yeah. So a lot of them come from uh, family and friends. Like when people found out I was doing a cookbook, they're like, Oh, you've got to try this. Like we've, you know, we've experimented with this. You should try it, make it your own. Um, and so a lot of it's been inspired from just the social uh, media groups that have been around and, and, and that I'm a part of in these communities. And so I, uh, I opened it up to a lot of Blackstone folks and said, Hey, I, you know, if y'all have any ideas, any kind of like family recipes that you're using um, ship them my way or just even, you know, any ideas you come across. And so some of them came that way. Some just experimenting with my kids and they get really got into it. just wanting to try different things. And so the desserts were really cool. Um, a lot of those were brand new. The sopa uh, let me see how exactly I have it on here. The sopapia s'mores quesadillas are probably my number one. Uh, anytime I've made them for anybody, we go camping, we go you know, on vacations with friends. I'll make sure to bring my little travel blackstone and that's the number one requested after they've had them the first time, And so all kinds of friends have been out making them, tagging me in pictures with them and all that. That's like everybody is loving it because it's so easy, really hard to mess up, and they are delicious. And so that's been really cool to see everybody creating, recreating this stuff, posting them, tagging me in it. And I've just had, yeah, just such an amazing time with this whole process. It's been really cool.
1: Well, not only that, like you said, you're somewhat new in the game of all of this uh, social media of putting this out there. It was just coming as a second – Uh, career with the pandemic, how does it feel to have such a powerful voice on social media? Because you're wildly popular.
10: Yeah, so I I find a lot of responsibility in it to be a positive influence in those fears, you know, and to be, you know, there's so much negativity out there in the world that just trying to be positive, just trying to be um, super you know, approachable. So, you know, people will say, Hey, I just, I have a question. I don't want to bother I'm Like, no, it's no bother at all. Come, you know, shoot me your messages. You know, let me know, you know, what worked, what didn't work, all that other stuff. So I, I kind of look at it like that of, you know, I'm, I'm so humbled just to be able to, to have these platforms. I was never looking for it. It just kind of happened. And so I want to use it to the best of my ability. I have some awesome friends in the whole outdoor cooking thing, you know, down here in Texas, meat Church is the seasoning, uh, Matt Pittman's the guy, Uh, There at Meet Church. And so he's kind of taking me under his wing. And so I have some really cool mentors that um, do the same thing and kind of pass it forward to people and help to um, bring others under their wing and all that. So it's it's been it's been awesome. The barbecue community, the outdoor community has been really incredible the way they support each other and want to lift each other up. And so that's been yeah, that's been the best part of all of it. It's just the community that's come out of it.
1: Well, you're doing a great job, sir. Uh, You're entertaining. Uh, Your recipes are interesting. Uh, Very, very fun. Most important, fabulously delicious. That's most important. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, we want everyone to go out. Go get uh, Blackstone Griddlin: the ultimate guide to show-stopping recipes on your outdoor gas griddle, Uh, Josh Hunt. The creator of Josh Hunt Gridlin, thank you so much, sir. Uh, it was a joy speaking with you, and can be sure to share any social media website or anything like that before you go.
10: Yeah, Instagram is probably the best place to contact me, and that is Josh Hunt underscore Gridlin. And yeah, there I've got all kinds of recipe videos and things like that that you know kind of explain some of these processes a little bit further. And feel free to contact me if you have any questions. The book is available on Barnes and Noble, Amazon. And uh, yeah, I'd love for you to check it out and give me a holler and let me know what you think.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great night, pal.
10: Thank you guys. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. Yeah. Good night.
1: So having a great, uh, triple smash burger on the grill, Don, we, we definitely want to have something good for dessert. Don't we? Yes, we do. And uh, pie is always the best thing for it. Oh yeah. So this is the best part though. No matter where you're taking your griddle, your grill or just charcoal or, However you're going to cook something, you can have the perfect pie in any of the 50 states of the United States of America. Thanks to our next guest, Stacey Mayan Fung. And I cannot wait for this book. It's coming out June 13th. It is called 50 Pies, 50 States, An Immigrant's Love Letter to the United States through Pi. Uh, it's available for pre-order. Make sure you do. I you think you're going to love it. But uh, enough of me chatting about it. Let's uh, talk to the author. How's it going tonight, Stacy?
5: Hey, how's it going, you guys? I'm so happy to be here.
1: Uh, we are thrilled to have you as well. Uh, so, uh, let's just get started all the way to the beginning. Let's uh, hear your backstory because that's quite interesting. And uh, <laughs> then we'll go from there.
5: Sounds like a plan. So, basically, um I was born in Singapore and I grew up in Indonesia and Hong Kong and then for college I decided to, you know, really shake things up and move from Hong Kong to Savannah, Georgia. And this was kind of like it's always been my dream to live in America. I spent most of my childhood watching American movies, listening to American music and it was just like I just really wanted to go on the great american road trip and i thought what better place to start than in savannah georgia and after college in savannah i moved up to new york because i was working in design and fashion and so now i've been in new york for about 13 years which is pretty wild i am considered a real new yorker after, you know, after I hit 10, I feel like that's when I really earned my stripes. Um, <laughs> and so during that time uh, food has always just been like a really important part of my life. And when I was kind of really struggling and while living in the city, when I was around 25, I started Um, baking pie and I started baking pie because my best friend Patrick bought me the four and twenty blackbirds cookbook four and twenty blackbirds is like a well-renowned pie shop here in Brooklyn and I baked my way through that um, cookbook and all the while um, I had to start applying for my permanent residency in this country which um, if you've ever done any visa or immigration process you know that it's a lot of paperwork it's a lot it's like really hard on you and you it really tests why you want to be here in the first place. And um, I thought what would be a fun way to remind myself like why I want to be here, not only because I love this country, I love my friends that are my family, but also because I love pie. So I was like, what if I baked a pie for every single state in America, inspired by the state's food, fruit, some sort of regional cuisine, and then gave the pie to someone that I knew from that state and made this like my project to like tether myself while I was like applying through and doing all that. I was getting my green card. So yeah, that's kind of how it started and how I got here with you guys.
1: (laughs) Well, we certainly, uh, love that story. Uh, uh, and like you said, it's not easy to, uh, become a resident of the United States and get the residency. So congratulations on that. And uh, the United States is better off uh, having had someone uh, of your caliber join us. And uh, this is why the America is America. As Don knows quite uh, himself, uh, your your immigrant family, Don, uh, America isn't what we are without immigration.
0: That's very true. Everybody brings their culture and 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 uh, and and enlightens uh, the the United States of America with all the different inputs from the uh, German, Italian, uh, Vietnamese, uh, Cambodia, all from all over the world. And everybody puts their little two cents in. I like, that's why they call it the melting pot.
5: Yeah, and yeah. it's so special too because I feel like that's the best way. Like to get to know a country, like, you know, when you travel places, like the best place to start is like by eating the food. And so like by exploring America through pie, like I got to like get to know every single state, which really could be its own country. Like all 50 States are so different. Even the way people talk, like the food people eat the landscape, like it's just the most wonderful thing. And being, also, able to like show people their state that, like, you know, you get a little bit jaded because it's your hometown and getting to like look at it from a different point of view, like, is always so exciting and always so wonderful. And plus, getting to eat pie at the end of it doesn't hurt either, huh?
1: No, oh, w- without a doubt. Now, with the book, you are probably going to have quite the bit of controversy of people are so passionate about pie and how difficult was it to say, all right, well, this state, this is what represents you. This is the pie that represents your state because people take pie personally. That's why they call it pie fights.
5: (laughs) (laughs) People take pie very personally and people take the state that they're from really personally too, right? Like, everybody has their different interpretation of like where they're from and they're like so proud of it. And that's kind of why I wanted to start this project too. Right. It's to start that conversation. I find it so wonderful. Like how proud like Americans are of where they're from, like whether they're from like Michigan or Ohio or Florida or Kansas, like they have like all these wonderful stories about how they grew up and they always have like a wonderful and tender memory that's related to pie. Like everybody loves pie. There is no ill words spoken about pie. And even if like, you have a funny story about how a pie didn't work out during Thanksgiving at the end of it, it's still a laugh. And like, it's, you know, a part of like your upbringing and I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the debate. And also like, I, this is my interpretation of that state. This is my journey. Everybody's can be different. And this is just like, yeah, this one is mine, and I'd love to know how, like, someone else's what pie someone else might have baked. I would like to just, you know, spark the conversation.
1: <laughs> now, how did the choice come about? Uh, uh, was it that you would reach out to an organization, or when you visited some? a recommendation would come about from someone who said, hey, you've got to go to this farmer's market or you need to go to this restaurant and try this. How did you narrow down or how did the pie come about at each location, each state?
5: What's really fun about the United States is that each state has their own like state food or fruit or some sort of regional cuisine that like is really tied to that state. And I also leaned a lot on the person that I was going to give the pie to. Like, for example, for West Virginia, I knew that I needed to make a pie inspired by the pepperoni roll, because my friend Jeffrey, the West Virginia pie is dedicated to, that's like one of the, he's one of the first people I've ever met from the state of West Virginia, and he would always wax poetic about pepperoni rolls, and he made me my first one, and like would talk about like stopping at gas stations, or it was like a snack he had after school, and like. I that's my memory of West Virginia. I've never been to West Virginia. And so I wanted to do justice for Jeffrey's West Virginia. And so I always started with like the state food or fruit and kind of like played off of that. But for other states, like I wanted to kind of take, I love to make things really difficult for myself. I really love a challenge. And I feel like when I hit like a state like Nevada, I had no idea what to do. And most of my like Memories tied to Nevada are with Las Vegas. So I came up with this really hairbrained idea that took a really big spreadsheet and a lot of charts. But I was like, what if I made a pie that was like an all-you-can-eat buffet? Where <laughs> pie,
1: because
5: like Nevada is a state where you can like have your pie and eat it too. It's like about excess and it's about like getting everything you want. Can I do that in pie form? So I had like an old cast iron pan that's like for cornbread, like that comes in the triangles. And so I was like, Ooh, like what if I baked the blind bake, the pie crust in that. And so that it kind of looked like chafing dishes of a buffet. And then what if I looked at the all you can eat buffet menu at every single big casino on the strip and found what the common denominators were. And then made that into a pie, you know, because like really a pie is just a circle and it can be savory. It can be sweet. It can be anything you want it to be kind of like your life in America. And so like, everything kind of like became a metaphor for itself
1: now uh, I don't know if you'll remember uh, do you recall what Pennsylvania's pie was because as you said you're looking sounds like you're going with all sorts of uh, the fruits of the state and information and demographics and things like that I know Don will probably agree with me Pennsylvania is a big state but uh, I only like things that are going on in Philadelphia (laughs) 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 <laughs> pie.
5: oh my god shots fired i feel like for pennsylvania i did a shoe fly pie mainly because well,
1: Amish. i'll yeah. i'll agree with that
5: yeah, yeah and like i just rem- like when i was like researching the state i was just like ooh, like this sounds really good it's something that i had never really had before and just like drinking it with like Black coffee just sounded really wonderful to me. And when I talked to my friend Andy, who got the pie for the state, like he agreed. So I was like, all right, let's do this. You know, and some states came easier than others. Like Kentucky, it had to be a derby pie. Florida had to be key lime. But for other ones, like I kind of got to, you know, get a little creative and what I thought would represent the state best.
1: I'll take that because <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm proud of that choice. How about you, Don? Yeah, yeah. proud of that choice, too. Yeah, Reading Terminal, you get some nice shoe fly pies. I know,
8: right?
1: Yeah, that's the way to go. So, here's the most important question, though. No matter what state or country you are in, what's your go to pie?
5: I can always eat an apple pie. I uh-huh. love apple pie, whether it's a la mode or how I really like to eat it is with like sharp cheddar, like a slice of sharp cheddar. Um, I learned this from my buddy Pete, whose grandpa always used to say a pie without the cheese. is like a kiss without the squeeze. And like the tanginess of the cheese with like the sweet apples is kind of like the perfect thing. And yeah, I can eat an apple pie whenever, but a pie that I love to eat in the summer and that I'm so excited. It's getting warmer is an Atlantic beach pie, which its origins are in South Carolina. And it was like, made as like something that you could eat um, after a big seafood meal. And so it's got a saltine crust and um, like really wonderful citrus filling and whipped cream on the top. Honestly, though, I love all pie. It's really hard to pick.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And I personally have never heard of an apple pie with cheese. That is quite uh I'll have to give it a try for myself. You gotta I try.
5: You got to give it a try. A uh, little sweet, a little, little salt. You never hurt anyone.
1: I personally go with the completely crazily indulgent one. I for apple pie, I sort of like my apple pie with a little uh, vanilla bean ice cream and whipped cream. <laughs>
5: Ooh, a double down we love a double dairy down
1: <laughs> oh yeah I, I, that's the way that uh, i i like to go with it but uh i have to say i want everyone to uh go out it is not released get it for pre-order out june 13th 50 pies 50 states an immigrants love letter to the united states through pie uh you have been featured uh, uh All over the media, CBS Sunday Morning, Eater, NPR, all things considered. It goes on and on and on. People are raving about this project. They love the idea. We are thrilled that you were able to join us. Uh, Please share a website, social media, or anything like that before you go.
5: Yeah, you can best find me on Instagram at 50pies50states. And yes, pre-order my book wherever books are sold. And hopefully I get to share a slice of pie with you guys in person soon.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, Have yourself a great night.
5: Thanks, y'all. Bye.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Uh, All right. uh, Well, we're we're going to Zoom to uh, our next segment because I think uh, Chef Barbie might be on a flight. Uh, I I don't know where she's uh, flying to. Uh, Hell's Kitchen all-star. We always have to at least talk to her when we can. Uh, Barbie, for at least 30 seconds, we've got to get you before you fly away.
0: Got the unmuted Barbie. I just landed it. There we go.
1: There we go. I just landed in Philly, y'all. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Do you want to share anything? We're not going to hold you up. We don't want you to uh, bother all the other passengers. Get you arrested by TSA. Uh, Anything you wanted to share? Yes. Um,
5: right before I left Philly, I got experience. Yeah. It's not my first time, but it's my first time in a long time. I went to a Han Dynasty
9: tasting, thing. I those
1: not 16, 30 strong, and I gotta tell you you see a pop-up you gotta do. Oh Han Han puts on the greatest events. He truly yeah. does. But thank you so much for calling. We appreciate the the dedication, Chef Barbie. Yes. Uh, that's why you're an all-star. That's why you're a Hell's Kitchen All-Star. Have yourself a good night. We're going to catch up with you next time in uh, July, and we'll, we'll find out more what's going on. But thank you so much. Enjoy your trip there, Chef. Uh, have a good one. But, uh, Don, that's why we love, we love Chef Barbie. But we're going to get to our next guest, and uh, I, I know that you love our next uh, guest. It's uh, Rocco's uh, Sausage Sandwiches Cheese Steaks. All that delicious stuff. They opened up their first franchise location in New Jersey, in Lawnside, New Jersey. And we have with us uh, Ryan Donahue. He is a co-owner of the Rocco's Lawnside. Uh, how's it going tonight, uh, Ryan?
11: Hey, buddy. How are you doing tonight? And you have we- Andrew as well.
1: Oh, there we, that's a surprise. Look, look at that. Two for the price of one, Don. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah, how are we you doing? Are, we are doing great. Uh, so uh, I think everyone is, uh, for the most part, very familiar in the Philadelphia region of uh, Rocco's. You guys have been interwined in the culture of Philadelphia of, hey, you're going to go to Home Depot, you're going to get yourself a wonderful uh, sandwich. We decided to uh, cross the bridge, which is a good idea because if you cross the bridge, you don't have to pay. It's when you go to Philly, they they charge you. So what made you you guys... uh,
11: You got to pay to leave Jersey.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They always say the best views in the rearview mirror. (laughs) You didn't hear that from me.
11: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're excited to be over in Jersey. It's our first Jersey location, you know, so everybody in the neighborhood Lawnside, they, they're loving us so far. We've been you've been rocking and rolling for like two months right now, so we're just uh, excited to swing up some cheesesteaks out in front of a Home Depot and some sausage and pepper sandwiches, man.
1: All right, awesome, awesome. So uh, why don't we just go with the uh, basics? Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Rocco's for anyone who isn't, aware of uh Rakus.
11: well essentially we're you know out in front of the home depot the idea is you pull up and you're walking in you're getting yourself like a nice uh sausage and pepper sandwich or a cheesesteak or a breakfast sammy in the morning and then you can get all your like tools and whatever you need to get done i mean it's it's a match made in heaven especially with like these contractors and everything we have big hearty sandwiches it's awesome
1: and one of the things that is great now is like you said the contractors were always in on the secret everybody was like man these guys who, who are working outside they look like they have the the greatest sandwiches to eat but now you don't even have to be a contractor and we don't even have to visit your location because you guys do offer grubhub and all that sort of uh delivery services if You so choose not to come see you in person, correct?
11: Yeah, for sure. You don't even have to pull up in front of the Home Depot anymore. We're on Grubhub, Uber Eats. You know, you could just call it in uh, via those apps and have it delivered to you or like, you know, have it ready for pickup. Like, we don't have a phone. So that's the best way we do it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And you guys, where you are located, it's sort of the best of both worlds because in Philly, sometimes it's like a standalone Home Depot location. But where you guys are at, not only do you have the Home Depot, you are conveniently located to a pet smart. So you get to even have all of the yeah, people with the all PetSmart. their friendly pets come visit you. Yeah, we got the pet smart. You know, maybe a little dog, uh,
11: uh, like people come by with their dogs. You know, we, ha- you know, chop up a little hot dog and feed the dogs. It's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I tell them, better, you better behave, dog. Otherwise, you'll be a hot dog <laughs> uh, yeah,
11: yeah.
1: Uh, uh, on this grill. So what was the idea of uh Jersey? Was it just like hey, we, we know this is gangbusters in Philadelphia, people love it in Philly, and why isn't Jersey doing it? What was the thought process of we need to get over the bridge?
8: So the lawnside home depot has always had food um in front of their entrances past 20 years. So it was kind of like a no-brainer for Yeah, the founder of Rocco's to say, hey, why don't we just test pilot here? They already had food from everything from, you know, small mom and pop shops to like Stewart's root beer at one point. So a lot of families in that area are very well familiar of associating that Home Depot specifically with food being in the very front of the entrances.
1: So what is... The best seller, is it a breakfast sandwiches? Is it the sausage and pepper still? Or is it something I wouldn't even guess? What is the best seller?
11: So we're a little bit more cheesesteak forward, we've noticed, than uh, compared to the other locations. A lot of people, I, I guess like that area, like there's not too many places to get a decent steak sandwich, you know. But, uh, you know, the Rocco Special Kills where we chop up the sausage, like sweeter hot sausage, and we mix it in with the cheese cheesesteak. Uh, we do offer like, you know, great cheese options. You got American provolone, sharp provolone, whiz, you know, and us being in Jersey for breakfast, you got to do pork roll, you know, and we're, I think, I believe we're the only location at the moment that serves pork roll. Wow. I love, Hey,
1: I love me some pork roll.
0: I think it's a delicious treat. It's
11: it's, it's hard not to love, man. It's salty. It's tangy. It's delicious. It goes great with eggs.
0: My, but My favorite sandwich is the Gabon.
11: Oh, yeah. He, the, knows,
0: the, he knows. Here, I tell my wife, I got to go to Home Depot. I'll be back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's on, it's steak, egg, and cheese.
11: You got yeah, steak, yeah cheese. Oh, I love you it. You got a little hot sauce, peppers, onions. That's a yep. great sandwich. I There's get it no at least once.
8: eating that sandwich and then going on a job yeah, site. Yeah, I get it at least I once a month.
0: Yeah, once a month I pick that up.
1: But the funny thing is, guys, that his wife continually tells him that the back door's broke, but every time he says he's going to Home Depot, magically he just comes home with sandwiches. I
11: mean, like, oh, man, I can't do it. I'm too tired. I need to take a nap. I
1: just <laughs> ate that gabong. <laughs> so... Uh but besides uh that don what where's i won't we won't mention uh any names but where's the home depot location that you'd like to visit because Lawnside isn't close to you don
0: no no i i go to the one on uh, washington avenue christopher columbus boulevard or whatever you want to call it oh, that's a great uh, one. yeah
11: yeah
0: yeah i go down to that one when i when i'm in the area and i stop in and i pick it up and uh and then uh, the other one that, that I also frequent is the one on Oregon Avenue, which is a little bit closer to my uh, my warehouse.
1: Yeah, yeah 24th yeah.
0: in
11: Oregon,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, the thing that I like about your location, uh, uh, Ryan and Andrew, is anyone that lives in that immediate area, it's easy to not only get off the highway – to get to you it's easy to get right back on because 295 is right Right. there right so no matter if you're coming from cherry hill to drive into philly or cherry hill south or your south driving up to cherry hill or trenton or wherever you're going it's just literally uh, probably less than three minutes to get off of 295 zip down grab a sandwich and hop right back on the highway
8: yeah it's really nice as well in that location too there's so many small towns that are around us in the immediate area and people will come from say Somerdale or Runnymede place like maybe 15 20 minutes away and they said they all heard about us just organically just word of mouth and it's crazy just because there's so many like from Barrington Collingswood Haddonfield you have a lot of a lot of towns in that area
1: yeah yeah now what do you guys envision? Or why are you guys the option to go to compared to other places? Because obviously you said that you're serving a fantastic cheesesteak, that that's your best seller. But what else is the reason, as they say, the reason of the season that we need to come to your location? Because with inflation and everybody looking to save their pennies, People are starting to dine out a little bit less. So we want that sales pitch of why we want to go to Rocco's Lawnside.
8: I mean, ultimately, you have to go to Home Depot, to work on your house at some point. It's convenience. We're really there to service Home Depot and the many contractors that are hardworking there two, three times a day, four times a day. Uh, just makes life a little bit easier for them. You know, we have great value food. It's nice and hearty. A lot of these sandwiches, these guys, they, they buy... Right? they only have time to eat once so they quickly are able to slam it down and continue working their long hours so
1: and, and just speaking the painters are the worst aren't they because i'm i'm just joking the reason why i say that is i, I was a manager at MAB paint many many blue moons ago and uh it, it, dealing with contractors you really get to uh get into the fabric of a blue-collar community, and like like you guys said, they're coming there, and they are the glue that's holding society together, whether it's a plumber, Absolutely. Fix, Absolutely. fixing your pipes, or anything like that, and, and granted, there's going to be the average Joe going to Home Depot, who's going to be doing their own DIY project, or doing some things around their house, but through and through it's really uh the contractors that are the special piece of uh home depot and uh you guys are really truly doing them guys a service and i think by the sounds of it everyone who lives around the area really needs to uh check you guys out as well and uh just do like Don says, like, uh, go go to uh, Home Depot. I think I'm going to check out to see you get this thing fixed and then uh, just go yeah, home with a yeah, sandwich like, hot dog. project that
11: you've been putting off at your house, you know, just that's an excuse to come to Home Depot. It softens the blow a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so
11: it was a
8: thing when I was a kid.
1: exactly exactly well uh ryan and andrew it was a joy talking to you uh gentlemen uh you've got some fans here uh maybe we'll get don uh, over to uh try your version because uh you guys have the best one don't you uh now we
8: we all collectively make awesome sandwiches. Oh
1: they're, they're, come they're, they're, on, they're they're they're, they're not. Rocko. You got to you got to take you got to take the crit. just just run with it. Be like, yeah, everybody else's are okay. weak. You I come over to, to ours. Pork roll
11: out of all Rocco's.
1: That's the only. There you thing. go. There you oh. go. <laughs> and we got but, a
11: little bit more cheese options, but everybody does a solid sandwich. Every Rocco's is a solid location. You can't go wrong with any Rocco's in front of any Home
1: Depot. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, gentlemen. Uh, share a social media, a website, uh, anything like that before you go. You,
11: you could follow us on Instagram at Rocco's Lawnside. um, And then you're also on Facebook, Rocco, Rocco's Lawnside. Lawnside is the oh. township in New Jersey where we're located. So just that's our specific location.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Have yourself a great night. Thank, thank you. You as well. Have
11: great talking to you.
1: You too. Bye-bye. All right, Don. That was fun. Yeah. I busy, enjoy. busy, busy show. It uh, went, went pretty smooth, I thought. Uh, yeah. I, like I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. We got everybody uh, in that we could, and uh, we're not going to go with a joke this week. We're, uh, we're just not feeling, feeling that funny today. But uh, we're going to try to keep working on our technical aspects of things. Uh, Get the audio better. Hopefully this show is a little bit better than the last. It's a new project as we mentioned this year and uh, we've got a lot of positive feedback, but uh, hey, even if it's negative, reach out. Tell us. Tell us what you guys like about the show. Uh, Thank you again for all the nominations and the awards that we received uh, this week and thank you for everyone for uh, listening. Our last show was one of the most downloaded uh, that we've had. The publicists really reached out after that program and uh, had a lot of positive reactions. So, uh, Don, I'll let you wrap it up and then I'll go. Yep. Um, Donato
0: Marina with DNL Coffee Service. You can find me on Facebook, dnlcoffeeservice.com. You can reach me at 215 365 5521. Answer any question on espresso, cappuccino machines, and any of your coffee, any places. Awesome. And
1: I'm Derek Tim of BlueGeneFood.com. Uh, small Bites Radio. Follow us on our social medias. Just Google Small Bites Radio. You'll find us on uh, whatever you search. Hey, even do uh, ChatGPT or any of that AI. They'll they'll be happy to chat to you. Talk, tell you all about Small Bites. Uh, we uh, end the show and uh, thanks to all of our guests. Uh, talk to you all later. Bye bye. All right.